2: be hello and welcome in Arizona Cardinals fans to the Bird Gang Blitz podcast uh, we're following up the Arizona Cardinals today as they lose 16-14 to the Bears uh, John this is kind of a uh, story of threes the Cardinals are now sitting 0-3 on the season it's also the story of number three Josh Rosen finally getting into the game in kind of uh, almost I guess you could even say an impossible situation where you know the Bears just scored to go up 16-14 they're handing the keys to Rosen with you know, basically about four minutes left or so Said, Hey, here you go, kid, go out and win the game for that one. Following Sam Bradford, having three turnovers, um, Rosen goes out, does not complete the comeback. There's not like a, a Mayfield type comeback moment here, at least in that sense for a miracle. But, um, a lot of just feedback from after the game are just fans are either livid, whether it's with Mike McCoy, whether it's the start with Steve Wilkes, whether it's the fact that it was the controversial third and two play call where David Johnson was not on the field, hand the ball running laterally with, uh, with Chase Edmonds gets tackled for a loss, putting it into fourth and five. John John, where do we begin with this? I mean, I would love to begin at least with Josh Rosen finally getting into the game, seeing that spark in the offense, but where does this team kind of sit, at least moving forward in your opinion?
3: Yeah, the whole Rosen debacle, his development to this point has been handled, I think, pretty poorly by the team, by the franchise. Uh, when I honestly thought it was going to be the opposite, you heard all the buzz within training camp and OTAs that, you know what? He is a rookie, but he is far beyond anything that they would have expected. And then you had Sam Bradford essentially, um, you know, taking mental reps on the sideline and they were both coming in head to head and Rosen was out there producing with his teammates. What I think has happened is I think that it's a combination of things. I think that the team gave Sam Bradford – I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 million uh, to start for them this year. I think that was their intention regardless of who they got in April's draft. They, they made a point of contention to say, we're going to go with Sam Bradford, see where that takes us. Uh, it was a very conservative re- approach. Uh, same thing with the hiring of Mike McCoy. And I think after those two things were put in place, it didn't matter uh, who else the Cardinals brought in at quarterback by default, uh, you know, bar an injury, that's the the way that the team was going to go. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a horrific start to the team, a a historically bad start for the team. Uh, One that they, I think, weren't prepared for. I think they uh, overvalued their talent from a a local perspective. I think that they thought that, you know, having Sam Bradford week one of 2017 was going to get them uh, to at least a couple wins early in the season. That's clearly not the case. And so what you have is, You've got a rookie quarterback who's been sitting on the bench that is uh, significantly better than, than Sam Bradford. It's obvious. It's obvious from everybody uh, from a national perspective. And, you know, I, I get the frustration from last week. I don't, I don't want to be overly negative tonight. Like I feel like we kind of went in hard on the, on the staff and the franchise a week ago and the team did play better today. They were 13 point underdog. I thought they'd play better and they did. Um, But the right move would have been to come in and start Bradford from, from uh, the start of this game give him all the first team reps leading into the game against the Chicago bears and, and let him see what he does. I think it's been overplayed that, you know, Chicago's got a great front seven, which they do. What are you going to do if protection breaks down again? We, we covered all that last week. This is the NFL. Most teams have a competent pass rusher. Most teams that the Cardinals are going to face like the Rams, like the Seahawks, you know, the, the, the Niners have a decent defensive line just within their own division can get after the quarterback, um, so if, if you're, if you're going to stick to a plan of, I'm going to play Sam Bradford as long as we can, because we're afraid of Josh Rosen getting hit, then, then what are you even doing? Uh, you were not competitive the first two weeks of the regular season. You just weren't. You were the biggest embarrassment in the NFL. Uh, and so when the Buffalo Bills came out with Josh Allen, coincidentally starting the rookie quarterback and put it on the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think a lot of us saw where this game was going to go. As long as the team stuck with Sam Bradford, you were asking to lose and that's exactly what happened today. I know the Cardinals jumped out to an early 14-0 lead, but you talk about the Bears just being not prepared. Uh, those those throws were, were wide-open targets, Ricky Seals-Jones, David Johnson, communication breakdowns in the second year for sh- Chicago that they clearly, Vic Fangio and his guys clearly sealed up in the second half, in the, in the second quarter, really. Uh, so give them credit. Uh, and then Sam Bradford does what Sam Bradford does. He, he completely imploded. Um, You know, I think he started the game with something to the effect of, you know, six for seven for, you know, 90 yards or 75 yards. And he ended the game 13 and 19, 157 yards, two interceptions and a critical fumble that kind of gave the the Bears uh, second life when the Cardinals were were driving. Uh, It's a combination of a lot of things, Blake, but the frustration offensively, because I, I, you know, At at some point, you know, the Cardinals just have too much talent defensively, I think, to continue playing as poorly as they did. Uh, And they also played, you know, two pretty competent quarterbacks in Jared Goff and um, Alex Smith. In the first two weeks of the season, And we saw the Redskins played much better today, and the and the Rams uh, are clearly one of the best teams in the league. So you get a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, who you know, Blake, I've never been sold on. You have an opportunity to to force some turnovers. The defense played, I think, as well as they could have. Uh, we'll get into this later. There's still an issue. Uh, Their run defense is is very poor, and the fact that Deomme Cannon and Hassan Reddick are not playing is just boggles the mind. But you know, you you give up 16 points at home, you should probably win that game. And the only reason they gave up that many points is because the offense put them in positions not to be successful. So, uh, the whole, the whole handling of, of Rosen has been, uh, you know, it's been laughable. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for this franchise. Uh, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about it from, from a national perspective. Um, you know, this week that, you know, to put Rosen into that position at the end of the game just wasn't fair Uh, as much as I wanted to see him and was glad he got in eventually. I'm sure you were too Blake. It's frustrating because, you know, you're basically saying he's better than Bradford. We know he's better than Bradford. We just we can't risk losing this game, so we're gonna put our best quarterback in. It's just not fair to him. He should have gotten all the first team reps this week. He should have been named the starter. And they should and I firmly believe they would have won this game had he played. Uh, but it's a fresh start now moving forward with him, presumably as your starter. I can't foresee the Cardinals going back to Bradford at this point. But, you know, Steve Wilkes and Mike McCoy only have themselves to blame for this loss today.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Especially when you're looking at just the decision making of Mike McCoy. I mean, there's some. I'm, I'm going to read through some of the tweets just from you know national like big NFL media at least for looking at and how much of the blame does fall on Mike McCoy? Because on one hand, you can say the Cardinals' defense. You know, they had a 14 to three lead, they ended up giving up you know a touchdown at least the two field goals moving forward, where the Bears are able to make the comeback. But the offense and the reason why it came down to it is because there was so many points. So many points, at least, that were coming off of turnovers. And you look at it with, and that was what I talked. I talked about before the game, where my feeling was about how the game script was going to go was that I felt the Bears were going to get off to a hot start. Cardinals are going to have to start throwing the ball to keep up, and eventually it would turn into Sam Bradford turning the ball over because his arm is just not there with the strength, the decision making under pressure, where he's playing skittish. Or uh, I guess you can even just play it up that it's like I mean soft. I mean, he's been going out there and still contributing, but it's just a spot where you can tell at least automatically that Josh Rosen's better. So here's like kind of the sum of the decision-making. You finally decided to move to Josh Rosen at least when you're down two points with 4:31 left, you're in the fourth quarter of the game. You're basically saying, Hey kid, uh, we have to turn to you now because we have not been able to put this team into a good enough situation where we're able to win this game effectively with our starter. We have to trust and depend on you for that. So it's basically them having to say, we've messed up and we're having to turn to you to basically screw this and fix this so we can win a game for that one that's unfair to him um it's unfair to him to put him in with that little time left you say hey we're gonna make a switch over at the half for that one's similar to baker mayfield you may have some errors and mistakes but you know you're up 14-3 even after the first or even the second bradford uh, interception at least but the fact that they left him they left him and even up until that fumble when you're in cardinals territory you're about to kick for a field goal at least to be able to go up and make it a two score game uh, and it was just inexcusable um, some of the decisions early when you see in the game some of the new adjustments we saw at least were supposed to be getting the ball to david johnson more uh, yeah that's great you had a touchdown pass it was a well-designed play that you're to that didn't get the ball to him really at all for that one there was only one play i think that i saw that looked anywhere similar to 2016 Cardinals rights on third down, tossed the ball to David Johnson in space. He beats two guys, accelerates, picks up about an extra seven or eight yards after the catch, gets a first down. It's like the idea of you see things and what works, and then you instantly default back to what Mike McCoy knows. Comes back down to the, the Chase Edmonds outside run on third and two. I think that they are looking at trying to go for it on fourth down regardless, but when you lose yardage on the play, you don't leave your best player on the field. And Steve Wilkes after the game asked him, Why did you have it on that play? if like, We have confidence in Chase Edmonds. He's like, Well, Again, there's not a really good enough reason. Why didn't you put David Johnson then in that role? And he's just repeating himself. We are trusting Chase Edmonds. And so that tells you a lot about where right now it's still Mike McCoy who's joining this team. And that means Larry Fitzgerald, he's only got seven targets in the last two or three weeks. Now, granted, we did see a lot more targets and guys like Chad Williams, Christian Kirk even, <clears throat> became more available Uh, you got to see some of the advancements that you saw from the Cardinals I think really came down to you saw if you take away the two blown coverages by Chicago which as you said were buttoned up this really was the exact same Cardinals team that we saw through week one and week two once you hit that second half and that was why they had to make a change and move on I'm not too concerned about with what Josh has done because you know I I think that he's gonna have to learn with time this is a team that's not going to be winning a lot of games. So these are the throws in the areas where you learn from you're gonna learn a lot more, I think, from you know throwing some of these picks and maybe you would with some of the successes. But ultimately you're looking at a Cardinals team where the just the fan reaction afterwards, people are already calling for Wilkes' head, McCoy's head. Uh, Johnny, like uh, when we're talking about this, is this a little bit premature to look at some of this? Like what is kind of like the DEF CON or like the red button for that right now? Because I think that I'm still a little bit more of recognizing some of the time and some of the transition, but it is very worrisome with how you're saying about how they've handled him just because it it feels like this is a desperate move by a desperate coaching staff that should not be making this desperate, desperate of a decision with a rookie quarterback that is ultimately, like, you know, the franchise future and just throwing him out there against, you know, Khalil Mack in a no-you-have-to-pass-it, even a no-you-have-to-throw-it-deep situation.
3: Yeah, I go back to the point we made, Blake, in the spring when we were talking about not the spring but in the winter and the Cardinals were going through their head coaching search and I just kept going back to the fact that, you know, it would really pay off because I assumed they were going to take a rookie quarterback to have a head coach with a, with an offensive background, some kind of an offensive background. They didn't go that route. I like the Steve Wilkes hire for a lot of different reasons, but that was still kind of in the back of my head. And so, of course, we didn't love the Mike McCoy hiring from the start. Um, but, you know, to me, it just feels like Wilkes has, I don't want to say zero control of this offense, but almost kind of isn't in tune with anything offensively like you mentioned giving the same cliche answers i mean when and this is this is an unfair example but we're going to continue to do this because he was the last head coach of this franchise bruce arians could give you break break breakdown schematically and and even if you didn't agree with everything he he said there was a a reasoning for what he was saying um you know the note Famously, yeah, on offense no, and
2: defense. it was Yeah, both. absolutely. He had all of that experience all pulled together for that one. And it feels like there's an aspect that it's kind of missing from your head coach.
3: Yeah, no risk it, no biscuit was his mindset. And sometimes it would burn the Cardinals, sometimes it wouldn't. But you you knew what Bruce wanted to do. He wanted to rip the throat out of the other team. He wanted to go for points. He wanted to put pressure on the other team. They blitzed a lot. I don't know what the identity of this team is supposed to be. And it's overly concerning because I think that I don't know if if Wilkes looks at McCoy's kind of like his training wheels. That's kind of how I see it. You you look at a guy like John DiFilippo, who um, you know, had a tough day today in Minnesota, but by all accounts head coaching candidate on the rise, former quarterbacks coach uh, with Philadelphia. You know, he was a prime candidate, I think, for this job. I, you know, I talked about it to all end. I wanted Todd Haley for this offensive coordinator job. I thought he would have been a good uh, you know, fit with, with Josh Rosen because I don't think he's ever going to get another head coaching job. But I think Wilkes was the safe hire for McCoy because he looks at him and he goes, okay, maybe got a bad rap in Denver based on their talent, but he's been a head coach before. He seems like a pretty civil guy. You know, Haley would be risky. DeFilippo doesn't have the experience, but DeFilippo and Haley are proven, um, you know, offensive minds. Uh, Wilkes has succeeded. Or, or excuse me McCoy succeeded with Philip Rivers who's a Hall of Fame quarterback and Peyton May who's a Hall of Fame quarterback both and
2: even, and even still when you're talking about success you know it was still let go from that job ultimately and a lot of struggles over the years absolutely Chargers as well too it goes back to the Broncos for that one his second stint not nearly as successful as the first one let go after six weeks had play calling that was blowing games for that one so there's just a lot of question marks at least about that we obviously had about the hire. And a lot of that is coming through. And there's a lot of Cardinals media thinking like, no, he's got a head coaching experience. He's at this. And a lot of it was just recognizing that, this is a team that wanted to take the opposite approach from Bruce Arians to be more of a conservative approach. We even saw it at the end of the half, I was like, oh, are the Cardinals going to take a shot. And then I was, oh, they're, they're, they're not. They're just going to kind of run the ball here, going off the clock. It was just such a different approach because you felt like they had the chance to step on the throat. And it was almost an area of, we don't want to mess this up. We're, we're afraid to mess this up. And then when yep. You go ahead and mess it up. That's why you messed it up sometimes. And that was what I felt like was ultimately the biggest issue with this team. Was it felt like it wasn't anything that the Bears did on offense. It wasn't anything that the Bears even did like on defense overall. As far as that one, it was just Sam Bradford being inaccurate and missing a lot of the different throws he needed making poor decision-making for that. And ultimately it was that you cost yourself the game. And that's what's most frustrating, at least overall, is because I think good teams, when you look at it, will find ways to win a game, whereas bad football teams, theirs are the ones who are going to find ways to actually go and actively lose a game. And that was how you felt about the Arizona Cardinals today. And you just felt like their coaching staff went out and basically let the team down.
3: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's super frustrating. I think one of the biggest frustrations for me is the lack of the run game and you've invested so many resources up front. And nobody thought this group was going to be world beaters. But you remember the conversations that were being had publicly uh, by Mike McCoy, by Steve Wilkes, saying that was the most impressive group coming into camp. Uh, You've got two free agent guards that you're paying a lot of money to. Uh, You've got a rookie center who I think has done a very nice job. John Wetzel, to me, has been serviceable. And DJ Humphrey's listen, we got to get a full season out of him to to basically decide whether or not he's the left tackle of the future. But, you know, pass protection wise, I think we're going to see this group be under a a bigger microscope because of how we all feel about Josh Rosen and the fact that Bradford was only dropping back, I think, some odd 17, 19 times a game. He only had 19 attempts today. But where it's really showing is the lack of the run production. And you know, to me, I, I, I'm I going to go ahead and base that off of scheme and the lack of creativity in that effect. I mean, you watch David Johnson. He's just running up the middle continuously over and over again, three yards, four yards, two yards. I mean, there's no big play explosion in this offense from the running game. They had 18 carries for 53 yards, 2.9 yards per carry. That is horrific. I know the Bears' defense, um, you know, is, is a top-tier defense right now in the NFL. But, again, that, that to me at home – you're talking about you wanting to get David Johnson additional touches. You want to get creative with him. He had 16 touches, and he had roughly, I think, 60 yards from scrimmage. I mean, that's, that's unacceptable. David averaging 2.6 yards per carry, mm. that's unacceptable. You've, you've lost your, your center and, and your right tackle, but you've got your two you know, big-money guards in there. You've got your left tackle, who we think is a nice quality run blocker when healthy. You just The creativity isn't there offensively. It's ultra-conservative. Um, that the play call was so egregious on third and two. Uh, I would have loved to have known what Josh Rosen thought in that instance. But again, you give Josh Rosen a week of first team reps and his ability to audible at the line of scrimmage, that play's probably never, never called. He probably checks at the line of scrimmage. And again, I know that the Chase Edmonds is not David Johnson. I don't know if David Johnson gets those two yards either. I mean, that's yeah. how poorly it was designed. I think that's kind of being overblown. So in a weird way, I agree with Steve Wilkes. Like, well, we, we got to produce regardless of who's back there. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the bigger problem, I don't think it was the personnel. It was the, it was the play call itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're talking about you're limiting yourself to a, a slow developing play on third and two that probably has, you know, 25% chance to work regularly with the personnel that you have. And then you look at the, the offensive weapons that the team was starting to showcase. I mean, it's crazy to think about, you know, Chad Williams, people are calling for, for new receivers in this offense and Bradford has just been completely inept at the quarterback position. And then Rosen comes in and immediately hits Chad Williams for eight yards or a first down or whatever. And it's just like, Oh yeah. When you have a competent quarterback and you start to open things up a little bit, you can showcase some of these other players and you I think he hit like four different targets on that drive. I mean it was it's been a while but it's like real accurate quarterback play. Gresham for 9, Chad Williams for 8. Christian Kirk, who had a great day, I'm sure we'll talk about. I mean, it's it's what you were
2: expecting from Sam Bradford to hit, but because he had the arm strength and the velocity to hit those tight windows, he was able to kind of throw guys more open. Whereas with Sam Bradford, he would see that that guy's not open because I don't have the arm strength to hit that. So that was part of the immediate impact. Then it comes into the end game situation. You have, like, you know, I think he was hitting his helmet on the side where it's like a tonk tonk, You're like, oh, okay, so his helmet isn't working. So that was one of the areas of preparation of – They probably weren't expecting Rosen to go in. His helmet probably at least didn't have the microphone that was working. So it's like, what are you doing then, at least if that's the case? So Josh, to his credit, still went in and got the playoff for that one. They didn't end up having to use the timeout in that spot. But it just shows kind of some of the underpreparedness of you spend the entire time of – trying to basically go ahead and say the Sam Bradford's our guy. We're pushing this one. Jay Glazer, I believe, reported ahead of the game that they had told Rosen that if there were struggles, he were going to put him in. And then you still end up putting him in, like, just when you're kind of in this desperate situation. It was just a spot of you're really just doing a disservice to to, to Josh. And I've got a couple of – just some of the tweets that I'll be able to read out over here that are – just highlighting some down some of them are just like kind of like it feels like it's uh, the best way to describe it is this should be kind of almost a no brainer but this coaching staff is either overthinking it or making it a lot harder than it is like putting josh rose in now uh this is like from an si writer uh, this acknowledgement that he's uh, a better option than sam bradford is in the crunch time which means that by not spending the entire week preparing him to start it's, it's ridiculous kind of like criminal coaching for that one it's just you have no reps at the ones a week now you may have gotten some reps at least overall but for the most part it's not how you handle a rookie qb and said, you know, why you know spend the entire week prepping Josh Rosen to face Khalil Mack on the Bears when you can just throw him into the fire for the final four minutes for that one? There's even times where you were like, you should be putting in Josh Rosen here, and that I think it was Shane Dale, a local guy, is like, nope, Rosen still has his hat on You're gonna get more Sam Bradford, and you're gonna like it. It took the Sam Bradford turning the ball over three times on three consecutive plays, not even like in our, uh, three consecutive drives in a row. We're not talking like, um, you know, oh well, you know, yeah, went three and out, you went three and out, you punted, you got a couple of first downs where it's just like it looks ineffective for that one this is him giving the ball back to Chicago and Chicago scoring to go ahead in the game it took that level of ineptness before they were like all right we're desperate enough to turn to Rosen which is just uh it's just uh, it's, an, it's just crazy and then I think a lot of it also when you're bringing up idea of the talent you look at that third down play you had Josh Rosen, Christian Kirk, Mason Cole, and Chase Edmonds on the field that just shows that the Cardinals are not a team that has enough depth overall where you can avoid playing these rookies now it also says a lot about these are good rookies that are starting quality it's not like you have a, a paxton lynch situation it's not like you have you know yep. wide receiver like uh, who's not able to get into the game you've got your starting center has started and played all the snaps and has been playing solid and you got a rookie running back who they at least do trust enough to put him on the field in the third and two but you're apparently not trusting enough of what's working you know you had to uh, you have as we said plays to david johnson in the passing you can see things that are working and mike mccoy goes back and goes away from some of those and so i think a lot of that stubbornness ultimately is part of the reason why the cardinals are 0 and three is that you're kind of in a between a rock and a hard place where uh, just with going over what people are saying about mike mccoy is like yeah he probably deserves to get fired but he's got a defensive first time head coach he's got no idea like what to go on he probably needs some of the help of another head coach who's gone through some of this before And it's tough to fire him after three weeks. Now, I will say Byron leftwich he's standing right there. He's the guy who's been coaching Josh up as Josh is about to go in. Mm -hmm. I think that would probably be the next step for the Cardinals is you're going to probably play Josh Rosen next week against Seattle. And I think what you're going to do is you're going to see what the offense will look like for one or two games. And I think that the next step you'll have to do is just for the Cardinals' own sake is you're probably going to have to at least – Find some sort of fall guy because Seattle got a win today. If you start the season 0 and 4, going to 0 and 5, it's going to be really hard for you to be able to say that you've got a team with this much talent, um, whether it's offensively, defensively. And we will get to the defense because they had a, a good a good week this week. They kind of did what they were supposed to against a poor Bears offense. But gosh, John, it it just feels like with where you are with this team, it's become very very difficult to trust with the decisions. And a lot of people are even relaying that up the chain of well, it's hard for me to trust Steve Wilkes because he's put Mike McCoy in place and a lot of people like it's hard for me to trust Steve Kine because he put Steve Wilkes in place who's got Mike McCoy in place and so that's where a lot of people are looking at is this is this kind of a franchise defining season where we're you know talking about the men who are going to take with the number one overall pick and seeing losses just about every week or is this going to be a room for a turnaround I'll take some of your thoughts on here for that right now
3: no I don't it's a long season it's a long season we've got 13 more games to play. They're all in three right now. I think they're going to win a couple games. I mean, I don't want to jump around, but I mean, San Francisco to me is one, oh, is one of the worst rosters in the league. They just lost their best player, Garoppolo, probably for this awesome. season with a torn ACL. The Cardinals get to play them twice. They play them at San Francisco in two weeks. The Niners are going to be playing CJ Beathard. If you watched CJ Beathard last year, you know how poor of a player he is. Their skilled players are probably bottom five. I mean, like, the Cardinals have a better roster than the, than the Niners do. And they're going to have a better quarterback starting that game in two weeks. So, I mean, like everybody, the Cardinals are going to win a couple games this year, especially with Rosen. Now, like Rosen is going to produce this year. It's oh, yeah. going to be and ups and downs. He's going to throw interceptions, but he's going to push the ball downfield and he's going to score points for this offense. It's going to look completely different. And I think the defense is going to continue to make strides. And I think they'll, they'll probably expose lesser quarterbacks but again, it's a transition year. It's a rebuild year. I mean, people tweeting out like, "Oh, and three teams have like a ten percent chance of making the playoffs." If you if you look at this team and think it's a playoff team by any regard, I, you know, I feel sorry for you because if those were your expectations coming into this year, then you need to stop feeding on the rhetoric that the team is 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 spoon feeding you. This is a roster that has some quality players defensively, but outside of you know, Christian Kirk. David Johnson and old Larry Fitzgerald and a rookie quarterback have really no building blocks on offense. And it's an offensive league. You're switching schemes with a new head coach who I think it's, I want to defend um, Steve Wilkes anytime I get a chance, but it just makes it very difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of me thinks, okay, this is just usual rookie head coach you know, mental lapses. We really haven't been able to see what kind of in-game head coach he is because the Cardinals haven't played a lot of close games yet.
2: He did, and they mismanaged a lot. Of, they had four minutes or so going yeah. into it with all of that, and a lot of the times, like, you recognize that the clock still seemed to be a problem for a lot of that, despite yep. the fact that Rosen was consistently throwing for first downs.
3: Yeah, this is, this is a baby step season. The, the bottom line is, I mean, like, people want to talk about what Baker Mayfield did on Thursday night, and he was, he was really good. Um, but he also got to play the entire second half against the Jets team that had to travel, you know, and and play in their building on a short week. And they got to play, you know, against a rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold, who the, the, the Cleveland defense is legitimate. Baker had many opportunities that you know he's got better skill players, got a better offensive line. And I think the biggest thing is he's got a really nice offensive coordinator, call place for him in Todd Haley. I mean, like Rosen struggled today because he was. Put in an almost an unthinkable I don't think I've ever seen that where a rookie quarterback doesn't play until the last four minutes, not because of injury. You know, I've seen it based on injury and that kind of thing, but because you just bench the quarterback. You know, I thought at that point. Or like they
2: ineptitude. Would, if the Cardinals yeah. were, you know, being inept where it's like, oh, you're getting blown up by the Bears or something like that, that's when you'd see the right coming in and play. But for like the win,
3: going it's for so the weird. win. I've never seen that before. It's, it's just so, so bizarre. Weird. Like it, you know, I'm I'm happy they put him in there because it puts an end to the Bradford experience one for once and for all. But like I was fully expecting Bradford to finish that game. Absolutely fully expecting him to finish that game. So when Rosen started throwing, I'm like, you're gonna get the ball back and, and he's gonna have one, maybe two drives, and you're gonna you're gonna you know, Steve, you're gonna expect him to win this game for you? You don't deserve this win. You know, it's kind of the same thing that happened with Cleveland on Thursday night. It's like Hugh Jackson didn't deserve that win. They were gonna lose to the Jets. But his quarterback got hurt, and Baker Mayfield came in and saved his butt. I mean, that's 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 what exactly what was going to take place with Rosen. I think if he would have played the whole second half, I think he would have ensured that the Cardinals kept this lead. Uh, I don't. He couldn't have played any worse than Bradford did. And again, the the Bears knew that the Cardinals had to throw. They couldn't be balanced offensively. The, t- the time was working against them, and, and Rosen couldn't hear because of all the Bear fans in the stands. And, you know, people want to be upset about that. I mean, like, don't be an embarrassment the first two weeks of the season and maybe fans won't sell their tickets. You know, would I sell my tickets? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would. But, like, when your product is so poor, like, you can't complain about fans not wanting to come see your product. We've seen that stadium fill up with 90% Cardinal fans when the team is is competitive.
2: Yeah, I even think of like in 2014, some of the other games, like after that 2013 season where there was a rough start for that. But once the Cardinals started winning and you actually were able to buy into what Bruce Arians is preaching and you realize that they had something special going, 2014, there are people who are turning out to see Drew Stanton and Ryan Lindley. And what was crazy about that was even though fans, like in all of that season, did end with disappointment, you're still a playoff team. And fans ultimately, like, were seeing the team be able to go into those clutch situations where either they were down in the fourth quarter or they were there and they had the confidence that the team would be be able to go down and to win the game I, I had very little confidence to the point where i was like you know what if rosen goes and is able to get that field goal for that for the win awesome like fantastic way to at least start your career if he doesn't awesome he got in and you basically as a coaching staff admitted and recognized that you were wrong finally <laughs> and uh, I, I just think overall the biggest thing that I've had is a concern right now honestly is my biggest concern is with the offense we know that the offense is a wreck my concern at least for right now at least is the defense we'll be getting into that over here with our quick break on the bird gang blitz just how did the bears with this putrid kind of bad performance manage college to-
3: offense yeah, college
2: offense for that one with you know Mitch Trubisky for that one how did they manage at least to be able to, to muck this up where the, they were able to you know come back that's going to be next here on the Bird Gang Blitz.
0: Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com.
2: racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. And we're back here on the Burger Blitz. So, um, John, let's go and we'll talk a little bit. Just the opening part and the opening script of the game the Cardinals had on offense was very well done. You got to see at least with a, a touchdown to a wide open Ricky Seals-Jones, you got to actually see Seals-Jones use his weapon, something that we wanted to be able to see, a blown coverage. And then, before it's a turnover in the first half, the Cardinals go and score immediately – uh, you're up 14-0. You haven't even had the ball for that long. It's like it's great. And then you just kind of had that same type of, you know, monotonous where you're not really scoring. Cardinals punted a whole lot. And the what really all just kind of deconstructed was in that second half where the Bears defense took away the ball four times. You had two interceptions by Bradford. You had a forced fumble from Sam Bradford. The Bears defense, at least for that one, was strong. and They took over. A lot of that, I think, was on Bradford. There was key third downs that were – overthrown from a couple of passes that I at least saw. But overall, the Cardinals defense, when you're looking at it, the Bears were a bottom five offense. Mitch Trubisky, he looked, you know, poor all day. I think one of the kind of jokes that we even talked about was um, – where the the idea where some people have just questioned if Trubisky can throw to the left, <laughs> it's like it's almost become kind of like a meme online just because he doesn't attempt as many passes there. And when he does throw, like I even saw, there was two or three passes that were there, and he oversailed like both of the passes that were there. So you're kind of talking about a quarterback who is maybe limited. At, uh, you know, as far as for what he can do, as far as accuracy. Um, you kept him contained to the pocket the majority of the time. Even at Chandler Jones had a sack, Robert Candice even went and forced a fumble. Candice is probably like the best story that the Cardinals are having right now this year. No honestly. doubt, no doubt especially with two first round linebackers still standing on the sideline overall, whether having to put in their other linebackers and whether that scheme or whether that's just having to learn the overall feel you get kind of, at least is that this is just a little bit too big as far as for with Welch where they're just They've they improvements, but there's just not enough of a complete set or a complete game to be put in where you can really have a lot of confidence. And so that's why I've talked to cards fans and said, look, like I understand that this is a five-year contract for Steve Welch. I understand that they're kind of in this, this probably isn't going to be a one and done year year is kind of the feeling. Maybe Rosen buys a year. Maybe if we still see some of these losses, it's not. But if the defense doesn't show improvement, the the question is, how do you take this eight and eight, you know, top ten defense from last year, and then move it to a spot where you're seeing, you know. The Chicago Bears are still putting up 16 points on you, despite the fact that they're like, I think they even had the PFF, Pro Football Focus, his rankings. Sam Bradford was quarterback number 33. Mitch Trubisky was quarterback 32. They have had struggles on offense and were not able to move the ball up until they were able to in the second half. It's crazy. And I have no idea. What is going on with the defense as far as that we got to see some good play from Buda Baker today? You, know, you had a couple of penalties that were rough as far as for the, the new NFL that you're getting into. You've gotten some decent defensive line play. But it just feels like this is an inconsistent defense, and that's part of the thing that scares you is if you were hoping for a 6-10 and 10 win, you were hoping that that was going to be not good offense, but your defense is playing strong. This is a defense that is it's not ranking really well at all, John, and it just doesn't seem to be kind of clicking for them yet. Do you, do you think that the defense is going to have it click in, or is this going to kind of what you think we're going to see because the line of games ahead that they have it doesn't get any easier as far as the quarterbacks go it outside of the san francisco 49ers and maybe if you talk about Deshaun watson struggles i don't think they play the texans this year but it only gets tougher from here on
0: out
3: yeah and again it's a transition year for everybody including a top five defense and you know i think that coming into this season a lot was spun to the fact that the cardinals had better personnel to fit a 4-3 and they kind of sold that narrative to everybody. And what we're seeing right now is that's not true at all. I mean, Chandler Jones to me right now looks like he's out of position. He had a nice game today. I think despite the scheme fit, uh, had a sack and had a uh, knockdown that led to an interception.
2: Oh my gosh. Uh, that was such a great play. That just showed like with the pressure and stuff, they were able to get pressure and then it, it just seemed like it disappeared from a lot of that. I don't know if that was running the football or what, but it was just like, it just seemed to disappear.
3: I mean, like you think about their defensive line right now, Chandler and Robert are producing at a high level f- for the most part. You know, Robert could be a little bit more consistent against the run. But that those other two spots on the defensive line are incredibly average. Corey Peters really is on a snap count at this point of his career. The Cardinals don't really get anything out of their left end position. Uh, you, you, you talk about the, um, the emergence of, of Marcus Golden it's going to take him at least a month or two to get back to maybe where he was. Uh, And then you're, you're talking about, I think the Cardinals would be best served to give him a a small extension and and have him play kind of on a one-year deal next year. They can get him on the cheap because he's somebody who can really be explosive off the edge when he's right. Just coming back from that ACL is going to be tough for him. Mm -hmm. And you could see he just kind of wasn't himself today. So I, you know, you, you know, I, I think that the team will continue to improve, uh, on the defensive line, but they need it. They need at minimum another disruptor inside. when we yeah. talk about it. We talked about El Al Alvar last week. Somebody to that effect via the draft next April, I think, is going to be their best bet. Or like a Sheldon Richardson in free agency is going to be available. Minnesota's got him on a one-year deal. Um, but the biggest, the biggest concern for me is is the linebacker situation. The scheme that really is supposed to you know accentuate the two first-round linebackers that you've invested in. And instead, neither of them are playing almost at all. I mean, Dale, Dale Buchanan didn't log one statistic today. Hassan Reddick had one solo tackle. That's, to me, the story of the defense this year. Oh, yeah. and the disappointment. I mean, you're playing a two-linebacker-based defense with Josh Bynes, who was undrafted and played some meaningful snaps last year. But I don't think anybody thought of him as the future of that position for the Cardinals. And Gerald Hodges, who had 12 tackles today, or excuse me, seven, one tackle for loss and one QB hit. I mean, that's that's fine. And I know people like to to tell. He's,
2: he's, he's a bat He should be a backup linebacker. Yeah, he's a, he's it. a
3: journeyman. I think they signed him like
2: six weeks ago. I mean, Hassan Reddick was the 13th pick in the draft. Yeah, they I mean, signed Has- him after Jeremy Cash went down to injury. Yeah. He didn't even spend OTAs or all the others on the team, and he's playing ahead of. Dan Buchanan was supposed to be your play caller on the defensive side, and mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick was the guy who was supposed to basically fill that strong side linebacker role for you. Neither of those guys are playing – they're playing nickel defense where Luda Baker, Lord bless him, that guy is playing linebacker, and he had yeah. a solid game today with the tackles philosophy. but he, he did look good. Position too.
3: I don't want to hear Hassan Redick is too small. I mean, like – Hassan Reddick is almost the same same size as Gerald Hodges. I mean, it, it, he's I think an inch shorter, but I think they weigh about the same, about 230, 235. So it just it doesn't make any sense. I just don't understand what the benefit of this is because here's the thing, Blake, is you're not you're not stopping the run with these guys. I mean, like you gave up 122 yards and 4 yards of carry to to Jordan Howard and Mitch Trubisky and and Cohen in the backfield for Chicago. It's it's not like you're stout right now against the run. There's no reason to play these guys. And so, you know, when you're talking about your first rounder from 2014, who you picked up your fifth-year option for a reason, and your 2017 top 13 player that you touted as a a top five talent, and they're not producing at all. I mean, like, somebody needs to ask Steve Keim this week, like, what, what, what is going on? You know, I get that that you're transitioning into right. a new team, but like Dayon Buchanan not playing at all, like that's unacceptable. Is he, is he that bad in practice? Are we not seeing, you know, are we seeing the, the the result of poor practice play, or are we seeing the result of a of a maybe a head coach who would rather just go with veterans that have been in a four three before? And not want to take his lumps with with some rookie, or not rookie, but some younger guys. And again, Dale was terrible week one. I mean, there's no other way around
2: it. And that was part of what you have to then question is how much of it is a chicken or an egg? Is it Buchanan's play, or are you going to be looking at the fact that if you're trying to use Buchanan like kind of this, you know, big 4-3 linebacker who's going to be there, and he's supposed to be basically an extra box safety because the Cardinals, when they're running that 3-4, they basically were a, in a lot of ways, almost a gap system where your goal was to open up holes for these smaller fast linebackers to be able to run through to make tackles. Now you're expecting the defensive linemen to make the tackles and the linebackers to maybe be the guys on the outside and they're getting bullied around. Just seeing Buchanan where I think it was, uh, I think it was Trent Williams was blocking his man and all of a sudden see Buchanan run at him and he just almost bounces off of him and falls to the ground at his smaller size. So that just tells me that I just feel like that some of it is on the coaching staff and I think that's been reflected over the last couple of weeks. Um, you can even take a look at just with today. Today was just not a good day if you're a fan of offense. Uh, Trubisky he was 24 of 35. He had 220 yards, did have the one pick at least that was there. Um, I believe that was off of the batted pass from Chandler Jones. He only you didn't have a 100-yard rushers, 24 carries, 61 yards. David Johnson, he had 31 yards on the 12 carries. That's just like – it's putrid as far as the output for that one. And your best receiver was Christian Kirk. You look at kind of the game tracker for the win probability with everything, and it's incredible because you see at least at the beginning of the game, Arizona goes up with their score. They go up by 14 points. And you just see at the very end of the game, all of a sudden it just – the entire thing flips to Chicago and then Chicago takes off and has a hundred percent. And so that just is the biggest example, I think of what's been wrong with this team is we've seen before, Hey, this is a team that they can't go and, you know, get behind because they're not built to come from behind. Well, we found out with Sam Bradford, they're not built to sustain when they have a lead either. Sam Bradford no, basically the lead is gave the Bradford. game away. Yeah. They gave the lead away. And that's just because you look at the guy and he, his arm is done. The mobility, there was a play that you even looked at where he ran out of the pocket for that one and took off and ran out of bounds. You're in a perfect position to basically. basically. Basically, when you see the guy reset your feet and toss the ball, we even saw that from Josh Rosen in the fourth quarter where he ran out of the pocket, was going to basically reset his feet. One of the plays, he kind of stayed in bounds, got a few extra yards before going out. But it was just the kind of mentality of when you're talking about playing scared for that and playing skittish, that was why they took him out of the game ultimately. But the entire time that you're looking at this, this is a game where the Cardinals had it in hand. They had won the turnover battle and you suddenly started making turnovers again. You started going deep. You had even a time where you were in Bears territory about to kick a field goal. All you had to do was run the ball basically three times, kick a field goal, you go up by two scores. Instead, it kind of got cute. I don't know if it was trying to go there, whether it was checked out of whatever the play was, but it was just a spot of, it was strange with how your entire goal is to like run the ball, be conservative, and then suddenly you decide that we're going to be aggressive and go forward in this situation. And it backfires on you. It just feels like a lot of that in the essence is that not that you don't really know what your identity is, but it just feels like that there's something missing with the coaching staff where either they're having to learn on the job too much or it's that here we've got this type of faith that's here and we're going to trust that faith that's here even with, you know, logistically or logically things aren't going to be there. And I think it comes down to is that this team is ultimately, I guess the best we can say is they're breaking their own promise to themselves. They had 13 first downs in the game. You can talk about how terrible that second half was. The first half wasn't that much better outside of the two quick strike touchdowns. But the time of possession, you had the two quick strike touchdowns. But Chicago really at 36-21 dominated the field of possession. You wanted to be a team that runs the ball. You look at the Arizona Cardinals in 2013 in Seattle, even having to bring in an extra offensive lineman just running the ball. Carson Palmer turns the ball over four times in that game. And they still managed to find a way to win because they recognized that here's the game plan our identity we have for this game we'll do whatever it takes and it feels like they just don't have that commitment and there's so much second guessing that You just have to second guess the rest of this coaching staff and team. And I I can't really complain about fans who are saying that you want Wilkes to be a one and done until he can kind of show more moving forward that he's going to be a guy that you can kind of trust and depend on when it is on the line. It's really, it's almost kind of like you have to, this team has to learn how to win again. They have to kind of earn those victories. And a lot of it right now is it feels like the team is doing the opposite. They're putting the team not in positions to win, but in positions to lose.
3: Yeah. I mean, you're basically starting over, right? You're you've lost the mentality of Bruce Arians who gave you, you know, regardless who was playing quarterback, Bruce Arians gave you credibility around the league, whether it was Blaine Gabbert, you know, whether it was Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton or whomever, you know, if Bruce Arians was your head coach, you knew at the end of the day, you were going to get their team's best shot, and you were going to be competitive. And that's what Bruce Arians gave you. We don't know what Steve Wilkes provides for this team yet. We don't know how he's going to attempt to steady this ship. All we know is that they've mishandled the hell out of the quarterback situation. Nothing else row real has really surprised me. Am I surprised with how poorly the offense is? No, because Mike McCoy is an average to below average offensive coordinator. Am I surprised with the defensive concerns and, and the struggles? No, but you know, I am a little bit surprised with, with the situation at linebacker, but again, You know, the Cardinals, to me, are a team in flux, but at least they made the first step in moving towards something. Losing with Sam Bradford benefited you, did not benefit you not only in the short term, but in the long term. Now, every pass that Rosen throws, assuming he can knock on wood, stay healthy, is for his development moving forward. You're putting a brick in place and building a foundation for whatever you want this team to be down the line, whether it's a Super Bowl contender, whether it's a consistent playoff contender, you're going to get the best out of Josh Rosen this year because now you've got a solid roughly 13 weeks to go off of heading into 2019. And who knows? I mean, look at the turnaround that the Rams got with Jared Goff after year one, and he was abysmal. Didn't matter. Got the right head coach, got the right system in place, got the right personnel in place. I mean, the Cardinals, I think Rosen's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to throw more touchdowns than interceptions. I think he could have the best statistical numbers of any rookie quarterback over the next 13 weeks based on the personnel that he's got. You know, I know I said Cleveland's got better personnel, but they traded Josh Gordon. You know, they play a, I think, a tougher division. The Cardinals have an opportunity. They still play Seattle twice that they, they, I I don't care what anybody says that defense is not the same. They no, still and their same.
2: offense is Brian Schottenheimer. So that's right. We can move on from Mike McCoy or if Rosen can make up for some of that, you know. they had yep. they kind of got it going a little bit today, but that's also against the Bears team which is probably also going to have a top five pick. They're almost kind of screwing the pooch when it comes to their rookie quarterback contract and not really figuring out the right way to adapt to Jack Dak Prescott, letting him down. And Dak isn't really stepping up and making some of those plays either. So that's, that's kind of a, Cardinals fans can look at this, but there's also kind of a, sure, you, even if you yeah. go in 16, you're always going to feel like it could be worse, no matter what, when you're looking at some of look, the other NFL.
3: You got to look at the big picture. As long as Josh Rosen stays healthy, I think he's going to produce. And that's good enough for, for hope and motivation for next year. You were never, ever going to compete for a championship, much, much less a playoff berth this year. It just, it just wasn't in the cards. The Rams are too good. The NFC is too good. It's not the AFC where there's about 8 to 10 bad teams or down teams. I mean, even the good teams like New England and Pittsburgh look mortal right now. The NFC is loaded with great players and specifically loaded with great quarterbacks. I believe Josh Rosen is going to get there at some point, but that's not where this team is now. You're going to go into this offseason needing minimum two upgrades in the offensive line, probably another one or two receivers, um, and then depending on what we get out of Ricky Seals-Jones at the end of the year, you might want to look at tight end. But the offensive line is a problem, and then our complementary receivers could be upgraded. Defensively, right now, sure as hell looks like you're going to need at least a couple linebackers. You're going to need a defensive tackle, maybe another edge rusher probably going to look at a corner i mean so there's there's this team needs a lot but at the same time you know i like their situation far more than san francisco now i think you can agree with that blake you look at san francisco they paid yeah. big money to two guys jimmy garoppolo and Jared mckinnon both of those guys are done for the season and i don't want to har- and i don't yeah. want to celebrate other teams injury situation but I'm just being honest. I mean, the Cardinals suffered tons of injuries over the course of the boom. Oh, yeah. season.
2: You look at last year with Carson Palmer out and you look at with, you know, um, with David Johnson out. And we were kind of like, where does this team go from here? Outside of, we were talking about how should you start tanking for a quarterback? Because that was yeah. it. You're now in a spot where you've got an awful, like a uh, Tyron Matthew. Like it's not just the ACL. It's probably feared to be the MCL too. a Tyron Matthew like injury. And what's interesting was I was looking more into it is not just the timing of the aspect, but it was like, you had this team that was, you know, still struggling, having issues. Issues, but ultimately you were even Niners fans I was seeing were saying you know what we would rather be having these issues and having a quarterback in here like Arapolo where he's playing and learning from them than we would by having these same types of interceptions or decisions with a CJ Beathard or even like for the Cardinals with a Sam Bradford because you know there's a limit that you've already reached with this one with Rosen you know that there's room to be able to grow and to improve and to be able to get better so you can see both kind of the aspects of a lot of times fans can just be like negative and sad because that's how the game ended for that one. But when you go into next week's game and Rosen's like, Hey, so I recognize that with the clock management and seeing how things were if the headset is off, we'll be able to prepare and recognize for that the next time. You can learn and grow. This is a guy who's twenty one years old for that one. Now, when it comes to it, the Niners and Garoppolo, something that was also interesting was and this is something that I thought was interesting I'll have to look into is um, he apparently wasn't wearing the brace on his leg when he was moving and running around. A lot of the quarterbacks wear that brace on their plant leg just because of potential to injury or especially if that's planted and then someone runs into it. Rosen's worn that brace since I believe like his freshman year, at least over at UCLA, which I think was kind of interesting. Some of that is recognizing that he's not going to be as mobile, obviously as a Baker Mayfield, even or at least using his mobility that way. He's not going to be as mobile, obviously as a Russell Wilson, there's few who can, but it's still recognizing some of the things about what is needed to play quarterback, I think, that are there. And you saw the instant impact, I think, of Rosen hanging in the pocket, taking even a hit, and still delivering an accurate ball, you know, 10 yards down the field to get the first down. That's the thing where he's a guy who knows he's going to take a beating. He'll be able to get up right again. The hope that you'd be able to have is that this would be a team where, like the Texas A&M game, That he played a long time ago that that would be kind of his type of thing is maybe you'll take a couple beatings this year but you can grow and learn and develop um let's talk a little bit about Rosen here because I I know that that's what fans are wanting to get to what else have you seen just from the snaps that he took in those four minutes as far as with that what do you think was as advertised what was the areas you saw as far as improvement Uh, just give some of your feedback on how number three played today because we're going to be kind of evaluating this as our main focus for the entire rest of the 2018 season
3: well, the number one thing is this loss does not go on him. It will not reflect his win-loss total as a quarterback in the NFL. This is going to go on Bradford's resume, his poor resume up until this point. So you can, don't worry about that. And I know he threw an interception, but he was 4 for 7, 36 yards, 5.1 yards per attempt. I mean, like, you can't even look at the numbers. You just have to look at him, his poise in the pocket, his ability, I think, to hit four different targets, his ability to pick up first downs to move the team on the other side of the 50 in a critical situation against the top five to seven defense. And the interception to me wasn't a bad throw necessarily. He just didn't have time to step into the pocket and deliver an accurate throw because of the pressure he felt in his face, right? It's not like he had a clean pocket back there and was throwing, you know, picks willy-nilly or whatever. I know that the, the pick six came and was nullified because of the flag, and I think he was trying to take advantage of something and knew that the flag was there. Um, but you know, you saw his mobility, everybody knocked him because he wasn't the athlete of a Lamar Jackson or a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold or even a Josh Allen, but he can move. I mean, like he's not yeah, he a dodged mobile pressure for
2: two of the different plays that stood out to me where he got away from pressure and one was able to extend it. And then one where he was running at least for that one, how to bounce 12 bounds. yards and picked up the first down that was the thing I was like if some people like just run out of bounds. I was like oh he picked up the first down so that's where he knew at least if they were in a position for that one because they were out of timeouts if he came back and hadn't like even if he ran out of bounds for that one it was interesting because he basically went and recognized hey I can pick up and get another first set of downs it takes only one extra second off of the clock it's not a bad thing at all for that one and I think that's some of the thing that you're talking about as far as where you can say functional mobility you look at some of the quarterbacks like the you know the Breeze, Brady, all those guys. Now, Drew Brees did have a rushing touchdown and a spin move today. Maybe that'll be part of what you'll see. But overall, it's when you're playing the position, you have to have that athleticism. Sam Bradford yeah. has not had that athleticism, but he did try to use the athleticism in this game. He did hear the football. And that was the biggest thing. It was like, you know, the press box, I've had times where he'd take it off running. They said there's been audible gas was like, <gasps> like people are afraid that he's just going to snap a leg or take a big hit for that. But even what we saw that today was he took a hit <laughs> and fumbled the football.
0: Yeah, that, that was his
2: last like, snap as a Cardinal quarterback. Oh my too. gosh, there probably was too and it was one of those things it's like wow it was it was it was a turnover and it's like that really sums up what this Cardinals offense has been it's been a lot of self-inflicted self-inflicted issues in a lot of different ways
3: yeah and I think to me like if you look at somebody comp uh, mobility wise I think he he moves kind of like Matt Stafford you know I watch A fair amount of lines.
2: Yeah, both of those guys, too, with extending plays. Yeah.
3: I think both of those guys are good comps mobility wise. Uh, They're pocket quarterbacks. I mean, like, that's what wins the NFL, but they're not statues. We've been so used to statues from, you know, Kurt Warner, who didn't have any kind of mobility, but was so phenomenal in the pocket, Carson Palmer, minimal mobility, multiple knee surgeries, and then Sam Bradford, who's the most immobile quarterback, arguably, in the league, to now everybody's knocking Rosen, you know, pre draft. About how he's not the athlete of these other quarterbacks. I mean, he was a, I think it was a prodigy tennis player. You he, that you watch those games against uh, the you know the Pac-12's best defenses. I mean, he's keeping plays alive with his feet more often than not, and making plays outside the pocket. He's just not rushing for touchdowns. And to me, I would rather have a quarterback who excels in the pocket and has you know some mobility than a kind of a dual threat guy. I mean, you look at these quarterbacks who move too much. Aaron, how many times has Aaron Rodgers been hit, been hurt now? Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck, who, who's who been hurt now, part of that is their supporting cast. But I was thinking
2: at Josh Allen today. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo today. Yeah, yeah. He, I'm thinking of Josh Allen today. He went and hurdled a player for that one. And it was super impressive. Like, the dude is an incredible athlete. But Absolutely. Unless you're going to be that type of a size and unless you're going to be like that type of a Cam Newton for that one. And I think that is how the – the Bills should use Josh Allen. They've got some of that in their game plan today. And I think that that's some of the ups and downs you'll see is that the, the team put together a huge defensive effort on the road. They were able to get it like, I think it was like a 27. There wasn't a shutout, but like, they were able to put up points and touchdowns. Even though you're like, yeah, Josh Allen didn't ch- light the world had on fire. Yeah, they short fields for a lot of that from the turnovers, and it was just like, oh, they, and Josh Allen, very smart guy, very in the red zone especially for that one. And he just hasn't had a lot of the deep accuracy that you've wanted to look for as far as a quarterback. And, you know, with Josh Rosen, he didn't have as much time for some of the accuracy from a lot of different ways too, and because of the lack of – timeouts with the clock. I mean, he came into that spot with needing three timeouts and everything. He turned the ball over once. Um, but us, honestly, the biggest thing when you're looking at whether you're thinking about yards per attempt, I think you said that it was like five yards per attempt or so for Rosen. Correct. In that situation where they didn't even attempt to pass of, I think it was like of, uh, of more than I think it was like 15 or so yards. So you're already talking about at least a two yard per attempt average higher than Sam Bradford had. Now Bradford, his numbers boosted up a bit by the long pass plays that you had here as well. Both of them were to basically wide open guys which credit Sam Bradford. He delivered the ball got it to them. That's exactly what you know he's supposed to do when you're in that situation. But when you're already looking at that, it just tells you right from the get-go of even in this situation with all the limited play calling, you're still seeing a more aggressive quarterback. And I think that's what we continue with at least for that. Especially as I think we're going to start to have more and more talks and conversations about this team moving to Byron Leftwich, a guy who um, you know studied under Bruce Arians, is a much more aggressive guy, and he's also a guy who he had to make his start, I believe, in what was it, week four, or week seven? But another quarterback went down to injury he's been in this situation before and my favorite thing honestly from today that I someone posted a gif of it it was when Josh Rosen threw that first interception that they had on that play he just kind of went took us and went Ugh. and it was a spot of. Oh, um. it wasn't it was like it wasn't like it was like a home like oh man like a Jay Cutler like running off the field of like oh well for that one and it wasn't like a meltdown of just pounding your fist of upset of rage like with Johnny Menzel the thought of smashing that tablet into his head and the sideline for that one it was a spot of well, this is the situation that's here. I've accepted it. I'm going to be able to learn from it. It was interesting because it felt like it was a very mature response. And as soon as he did that move, Robert Camdicci walked out, just patted him on the on the back of the head for that and moved on. And I think that's what you're hoping for, your Cardinals fan, is to have a yep. young core that will be able to kind of emerge of these young core players that will be able to then move forward. And when you carry it into next year with the cap space for that, you have something to build on. That's what you're really looking yep.
3: for. Absolutely. He's got the respect clearly of his teammates. The, that, that came – from OTAs, I mean, we've known that for forever, and that's been the 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 hardest thing to accept with Bradford is knowing that the players really liked Josh right away, and he was given those opportunities based on Bradford's inability to practice, and it was just like, why don't you just kind of roll with this? And they were just so stubborn with their plan that didn't make any sense. You know, for for those of us that are on the outside, there just there wasn't a benefit. You know, there wasn't a good rationale other than. You know, let's let's try to just ease him in. But again, look at these other quarterbacks that are playing. Josh Josh Allen looks better as a pro than he did as a collegiate player. And that I takes mean,
2: coaching. Coaching absolutely is a impact for that.
3: Yeah. Sam Darnold has not played well since week one. But are people ready to write off Sam Darnold? No, he's just taking his rookie lumps. Troy Aikman, I think, won one game as a rookie and was awful. I mean, he was just terrible. Goff was terrible as a rookie. I mean, but then the guys have great seasons like Matt Ryan and you just you never know what happens. But it, you know, what what's not gonna benefit him is to play behind somebody like Sam Bradford. And you know, the, the one of the things that I got the most frustrated with is I think I saw somebody within the Cardinals website media who usually, they do a fine job, but they they tried to use the comparison of Mahomes with Alex Smith last year and how that benefited Mahomes. Number one, you don't know that. Number two, Alex Smith clearly played motivated because of Mahomes and had his best statistical season. The Cardinals don't have anybody close to Alex Smith, you know, sitting in front of Josh Rosen. Yeah. And, and Mahomes really should have been the Cardinal quarterback. So just the arrogance to put that on the website I thought was really frustrating but to compare this situation to Mahomes and to Alex Smith last year, when you consider the play caller, that Andy Reid is, the continuity, that'd be like if Bruce Aarons was still here with Carson Palmer.
2: Right. That's, and that's that was, amazing. that was exactly right. And I think especially a lot of fans are like looking at the, the Patrick Mahomes spot and saying, gosh, like what if, why didn't we trade up or go and get him? And it's like, well, there's a couple things to that. One, they, that was their choice as a staff. They decided not to do it. They got a guy in Hassan Reddick who's, Hardly playing right now. That's kind of the the wheel that they did. Bruce Arians, maybe he's still the coach if they decide to give up that third, go up and get a guy. But in Mahomes, and it is interesting also because I think it was a, well, it's either Mahomes or Watson. It was kind of a little bit different. Of They didn't have Ace, maybe a specific guy over here. Now, I know with the Cardinals, they love Josh Allen. They knew he probably were not going to get him for that one this year. Um, that was a guy that they also liked last year's draft as well. The biggest difference, I think, is that the situation that Patrick Mahomes would be in right now, imagine like putting Patrick Mahomes – as your quarterback with Mike McCoy as a play caller. That would basically be like, hey, so I know that you've got them up to fail. Yeah, I know. Here's what you got. So you got this Lamborghini that you're going to have here. I want you to go ahead and take it and drive it around on like the little Disney Autopia, like little tracks or something like that. You know, like you just have to drive on the one track. You got the little guide bars if you go too far left or right. It was just an area where you're not setting it up in the right spot. So situation, I think, is really important. And that's something at least is where a lot of people would question if Josh Rosen was in a good enough spot as far as with the pressure, with the offensive line as it was. I think the biggest issue is at least when you're looking at it is play to the, Skill set of the players. You saw the two plays that were most successful for Rosen was he dropped back on a five-step drop. You see the pass rusher coming around the edge for that one. Tackle pushes him around. Rosen steps up in the pocket, delivers an accurate throw. That's not what we've seen since Sam Bradford on three-step drops in this heavy run game. So what'll be interesting to see is the adjustments moving forward. It's going to be really interesting for me to see if they end up seeing changes from Mike McCoy or really start crediting, saying you know what, like Rosen's still succeeding in spite of some of the play calling, or is this going to? Yeah, be a that's spot- what I think.
3: That's what's going to happen. And is some of that. I not-
2: is that you might get a win or two but the big question is is this a situation that's bad enough with Mike McCoy where he's going to be hampering Josh Rosen to the point where Cardinals fans are going to have a say like what are your thoughts at least on this is this a spot where you might see some of the development being held back a little bit by having a Mike McCoy in place
3: no because I think Rosen is a strong enough mental quarterback right now that he is going to be able to audible the line of scrimmage he's going to be able to have total freedom in the offense um, because Mike McCoy doesn't have a choice Mike McCoy can't hold Josh Rosen's hand because Josh Rosen's going to question Mike McCoy. We've seen that be a pushback from a lot of the coaches that have had Rosen in the past that you better keep him mentally engaged. I'm sure that's already happening behind the scenes. Hell, that might be the reason Mike McCoy decided not to start him in the first place was maybe he didn't like the pushback and he could use Sam Bradford as his puppet. But, you know, that's hearsay now. It's it's easy
2: to do when you basically have such a limited playbook that you can call with Sam Bradford. And when Bradford does go deep, it's when the guy's blown wide open for that. When he went deep the two times a day, there was interceptions that were there and it was just about spot I was telling people there, I'm like, guys, Bradford's going to throw like three picks probably today for that. That was like the whole prediction that I had because as soon as they start throwing deep because they have to throw deep, I trusted that the Bears were going to do at least enough to make a uh, a comeback in that game. The Cardinals were going to have to at some point throw the ball and – That's ultimately what happened. That's what stinks is that if it's predictable enough for me where even when I can say, like, I didn't see that 14-0 start coming, the fact that I can still say that it's such a predictable calling and such a predictable game plan and being able to see where things are kind of going from, it's just disappointing to me as a fan because it just feels like in that case with Mike McCoy, you you know where the offense is going to go and you feel that you just are, you're kind of in a no-win situation as the team because you feel like, hey, we're up 14-0. That's not going to last. And that's not a feeling that you want to have.
3: No, and I think at the end of the day, you know that that fourteen nothing start was almost the worst thing that could have happened to the Cardinals with Bradford completing those passes early on. as, as strange as that that sounds, because I honestly thought the Cardinals were going to go into halftime or go into the second quarter with minimal points, and they would have been able to turn the Rosen much sooner. But you jump into that lead, and then ro- and then it bri- buys Bradford essentially two and a half more quarters of him to stink. I thought it was,
2: I thought I was going to buy him a whole other game. I, I did too. Have- I. Th-
3: I I did too.
2: It was going to be. A he was going
3: to be able to go into to next week as potentially the starter again.
2: And it was a spot of like, yeah, you shouldn't be messing this up. Maybe if you go and kick a field goal and you're up 17-0, the Bears, they have a lot more of a hill to climb for that one. But he just kept turning it over. Three turnovers in a row, punt, punt, punt. Like, okay, even with the punting, they still have a lead. Just get close enough to kick a field goal, go up 17-0. The Bears offense had been doing nothing all day. Instead, so what happened was basically Sam Bradford ultimately gave the job away in a lot of ways. And Some of that, I think, is that there was unrealistic expectations that we had for Bradford of being able to deliver a lot of these passes. And it's, it's unfair to kind of put him in this situation. I just I do think that reflects onto the coaching staff of they either decided to not run the football enough they decided that they're going to get in these different positions there's still enough at least on the offensive line that you're not sure about where there's going to be some questions but right now this is ultimately going to be Josh Rosen's team I think on offense I think on defense is still going to be you know Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones but I think it's going to be an interesting transition where I think this might become some of maybe a little bit of Robert Kimdichie's team as well he seems to be taking on just from seeing the way that he was with Rosen today after the game a couple of different times for that one I I think he might be taking on a little bit more of a leadership role with the team. And that would be a huge boost for the Cardinals if they're able to get that if they're able to get a play like Candice, at least, back into the game to be able to have this week in and week out. Like, the dude went – and uh, we were talking about he had no stats on the stat sheet whatsoever before he runs a touchdown or uh, into the end zone, at least by picking up a fumble last year. Already he's been your most impactful defensive lineman, even maybe more impactful than Chandler Jones overall so far, which is a huge positive that we have to see for the Cardinals. And John, what are some other positives that you see today? Because the biggest one that I saw outside of Candice on the offensive side was at least a play of Christian Kirk. Talk about that and some of the other positives that you saw.
3: Yeah, I'll start with Christian Kirk. I, I He's somebody that's popped for me since the preseason. That's why I think all of these you know, fans and media alike that are saying that the Cardinals need additional receiver help this season, uh, I think is ludicrous. You've got Larry Fitzgerald, who still I think can, can perform at a high level once they get this offense figured out. And I think with Rosen in, in the fold, that's going to help. Uh, and then Christian Kirk was always the de facto number two. I think he, he's going to produce and I think he's going to give the Cardinals six 700 yards this season. I think he's going to have that big of an impact. And you saw him today. He's making contested catches. He's burning the defense deep. He had the Cardinals' biggest play from scrimmage this season, I, I believe on the first or second play from scrimmage. Uh, and I think he's somebody that you're going to look at coming into next year as, as an individual to break out for 1,000 yards. Uh, I I really like the rapport that I saw from Rosen and and William in the uh, preseason. And I'm I'm, Kirk, I'm sorry. And then with Chad Williams, I think he's going to get increased targets. I think you're going to see this offense open up a little bit. We're really going to have a chance to assess these receivers. Especially Ricky Seals Jones got that first touchdown and was never targeted again by Bradford. I mean, they were scheming to get him – the ball because yep, yep, yep. Bradford just he can't make reads so it's basically like go here with the ball go here yeah, with the ball.
2: Was, first read wasn't there he was just moving on and I think it was interesting because uh, the first catch that was made at least of Rosen or the first first pass from Rosen in his career did go to Jermaine Gresham coming off of that and Gresham yeah. had a solid game overall like it was a, he's going to be a boost as far as for protection I, it's harder to say that you guys get Healthier over time, but you now have a second tight end receiving option that's out there. You could literally then line up at least with your Fitzgerald. You've got you could line up Seals Jones on the outside. You could even put Jermaine Gresham there. There's a lot of options that you can have. Even if you do decide you want to leave David Johnson in the backfield and with this offensive line, I won't mind if they do decide to go with that route, just to kind of leave a check down on some of the plays in space that are there. Since Rosen, he's going to hang in the pocket a lot longer than, Brad, than uh, Sam Bradford would. But uh, I think what's interesting is if there is a spot that I think that you maybe would want to look at as far as for of play is obviously they're going to be looking at trying to figure out what their linebacker is the defense but Jeremy Macklin is a guy who I think is intriguing because he's still out there as a free agent still out there on a one-year deal And even though it maybe isn't like a this is bad enough or it's no I don't think there's an issue of you know if he's once he kind of gets healthy apparently had an injury setback saying at least if you wanted to bring him in and say hey like we've got a second veteran wide receiver who's there who not just having Fitzgerald another kind of trusted option you can go to on the outside that would be the one other thing I could say is if you wanted to try to help benefit Josh Rose as much as possible the two biggest things I would say is if you want to get a veteran pass catcher maybe just a guy who's a little bit more than it might be that it's not even a need it might end up being a luxury at this point at least because you now have Chad Williams is actually like a receiver for you now but being able to have that, and then honestly, with Mike McCoy and with the playbook, I really do think that, um, as a lot of fans are saying, with McCoy, it feels like this is unsustainable as far as for having this poor of a performance, at least on the offense, this many questions, and McCoy basically being back there, at least from a lot of it. Maybe that'll change as far as if Rosen comes in, but I do wonder if his days aren't numbered, at least as the offensive coordinator, just because of these questions, these issues, just so many things with the play calling. I feel like at some point, you're going to have to, it's like at some point, the levy is going to have to break on this.
3: Yeah, and I think that they're going to want to get a look at Byron Leftwich if if Rosen isn't setting the world on fire. Because, again, you're not going to admit fault by taking Rosen at 10. You're not going to admit that he you know, isn't the player that you thought. And so what's the next easiest target is Mike McCoy. And, again, I think that Rosen is going to elevate Mike McCoy. I think he's going to elevate a lot of these players on offense. But, you know, if the Cardinals are still running that those kind of asinine calls that, that he had today, game-clinching situations on third and two – I mean, that's going to be blowback right at Mike McCoy and, you know, for good reason. And at the end of the day, if Steve Wilkes' defense improves like we think it will over the course of the season, uh, you know, the offense needs to to evolve as well and it needs to get better. The Cardinals have 20 points in three games that's the worst in the NFL by a large margin that's that's just t- statistically it's just horrendous for as much talent as the cardinals have with the 10th overall pick sitting on the bench which is just an egregious decision david johnson a top 3 or 4 offensive weapon out of the backfield larry fitzgerald and christian kirk or i mean like i just got them watching the patriots they don't have anybody the caliber of either one of those players mm-hmm. and so in uh, their receiving course. so i don't want to hear about the lack of you know receiving threats or the lack of you know, continuity on the offensive line. The offensive line is better than it was in 2016 when David Johnson went off for the Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, and they
2: use them right. And that's where I think the biggest thing comes down to is with Mike McCoy is if you make those changes to put guys in the right position to succeed, you put David Johnson in as a wide receiver more often, if you're able to then take a look at some of the different routes and some of the concepts, maybe even put in the two running backs on at the same time. Let Rosen be able to use that arm of the accuracy over the middle because that's really where David Johnson can just run by most linebackers. We even saw that today on the play call for that. So I think that's the biggest change that the Cardinals have to make. The second one that I think is just the most frustrating, you can touch a little bit on this, is – you now have in the last – after the first game was done with, Larry Fitzgerald at least went off for about 77 yards. I think it was like seven catches or so. He's had seven – seven catches in the last two games. He is not getting targeted nearly enough, whether that's Bradford looking down, but however they're using Fitzgerald, at least it's just is boggling my mind of how is it that you're not trying to get him the ball in some of these different situations. Like even last, even I think of 2016, Bruce Arians, when they were playing the Patriots, Carson Palmer went to Fitz, to Fitz, to Fitz like three or four times in a row. And it drove them down in the field goal range for that. Like what's going on with that?
3: Yeah. Bruce Arians gave this this coaching staff, the template of what works with these players. and, Mike McCoy's kind of doing the exact opposite. He's not creative enough with the schemes in the run game with David Johnson, and he's not making Larry Fitzgerald a priority. And, you know, again, we, we need to hold a little bit of judgment when until they get a real quarterback in there, and I think we'll see that next week. And Larry Fitzgerald, to me, has always kind of been a de facto wide receiver tight end hybrid these last couple of years playing out of the slot. He sees a lot of targets. He's not going to separate like he once did out of the X or the Y receiving position. But again, he's somebody that could easily go for a hundred on, on any given Sunday, but he's got to be able to have that opportunity. And with Mike McCoy and Sam Bradford, that's his kryptonite. I mean, you can't, you can't get much more inept offensively than those two individuals. And so Larry's kind of the, it's almost kind of takes you back to 2012, you know, 2011, when he had horrendous quarterback play and then just wouldn't adapt to the, to the changing landscape of the NFL. But then Bruce Arians came in and revitalized Larry's career. And you would just assume that, okay, Larry, Larry's telling you, I'm playing this year. I'm not opposed to playing a few more seasons. Show me what you got, Mike McCoy. I want to be a part of this offense and help you contribute because I've been the best player in the history of this franchise. And so it's a little bit disrespectful, but again, I think Mike McCoy, Fair or not, gets a clean slate next week. I mean, for a lot of people, uh, especially on the coaching staff, because he can pin it all on Bradford and say the opportunity was there. He didn't take hold of it. The offensive line didn't respond to him. Now it's, okay, you have the most prized possession in the franchise, the 10th overall pick, our franchise quarterback, and uh, Josh <clears throat> Rosen. What, what, what does Mike McCoy have now? Because he went up against two – Elite defenses in the Rams and the Bears within the first three weeks. And Washington, that that looks like it's much improved. They played really well today against the Packers. Now I think we're going to start to see against some of these lesser defenses, San Francisco, Seattle hasn't been great. Um, you get to the second half of the schedule, you get a couple of the softer teams defensively. That's what he's going to be able to hang his hat on. Rosen and then the, the type of defensive schemes and systems that he's they're going to be up against just aren't the same caliber now the, the quarterbacks are, get gets tougher and the job for steve Wilkes and that defense is going to be i think harder and harder as the season goes on but there's no reason for this offense to not consistently put up i think 24 points a game with rosen there just isn't he's just too talented i, I keep going back to the fact that he was labeled the the, the most pro quarterback and he comes into an offense that has some players so it's up to mike mccoy to maximize that but, again, I think I just think so highly of Josh Rosen and his intellect and his football IQ that he's going to succeed no matter the, 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 the scheme. And that may sound ignorant, and I, I could be dead wrong, but I think we're going to see a hell of a lot better quarterback play than we have been. I think that goes without saying. And I think we're going to see him light this league on fire for about a four or five-game stretch while the league tries to play catch-up. And I think we're just we're going to see a complete turnaround with, with regard to the points scored, pushing the ball downfield, putting pressure on the defense, making the secondaries that they're facing uncomfortable, and seeing some of these second and third tier options for the Cardinals start to emerge. Whether that Mike McCoy gets on that bag wagon or not, I don't know. But I, I think I think Rosen going to be so in control and, and ready to go. I mean, he he achieved at UCLA with far less talent with a defensive head coach, with an offensive coordinator who was you know, below average, and he mixed in his tight ends. Weekly, they were putting up big, big points against elite Pac-12 defenses, some of the best defensives in the country, Stanford and Texas A&M, and those kind of teams that he would put up big-time big numbers against, against NFL players. Now he's going to be asked to do the same thing in the NFC West, which I think outside of the Rams is, is very beatable. A lot of these teams that he's going to be facing you know, San Francisco, Seattle, um, you know, we get the Packers at some point, their defense isn't much to to ride home about Detroit's defense is average. I mean, he's going to have an opportunity to face, you know, the chiefs defense, the Falcons defense. We're going to see the chargers defense, the Raiders defense. We're going to see Josh Rosen put up points and we're going to see him put up W. So I want Cardinal fans to keep this in perspective. Okay. They're not going to fire Mike McCoy. After, after today, that's just not how they do things. It'd be nice,
2: but you know, know, a lot of it is also, you don't want to be a culture that has those type of knee jerk reactions. Yep.
3: That's a good point.
2: And that's something I think we'll want to look at is how Rosen and McCoy's scheme respond for that one. Like how much of that can you pin on Bradford? I still think that just from that third and two play, and it was even I think Evan Silva, uh, uh, who's, you know, one of the top fantasy experts, just like a, uh, you know, brilliant guy at least for that one. He was at a bar watching with to the Bears fans. He said there's like these seven-year-old Bears fans who were just rocking on the Cardinals play call being like, guys, like we don't even deserve to win this game. Mitch is doing nothing out there, but this play calling is just handing us the win. And I think when you get to that point of like there's so many people are questioning that third and two we can question at least with Steve Wilkes is where he is for some of that one. And I guess that for me, I'm just going to look the rest of the season and kind of like a show me what you kind of have Wilkes kind of mode. But for me, I think that the next step, at least you move to Josh Rosen, you'll see where the successes are, but it does kind of feel like when you're having to kind of write this ship, whether it's bringing in talent or seeing what it is, I do think that is kind of going to have to be step two is you're going to have to say, Hey, we brought in this kind of conservative, weird offensive, like, you know, play caller who's, got issues for that we need to kind of get a play caller who's going to favor more to the talent around us and someone who's not going to like you could even say hey we need to throw the ball to david johnson more cool he's like yeah this is to david johnson more yeah you had one pass play that you did for that one that went to the end zone where that was a well-designed play that you did and then there's the one play that you did on a third down that he read through other than that they he just did not get targeted very much in the game so I, I i think it's just it's overall been very very disappointing for that so far at least um uh, anyway, at least for that, any other thoughts that you had on Rose and Lisa? Come we kind of move into the last segment of the show, John, because I, this is kind of a big moment for Cardinals fans. We haven't had this type of excitement, I think, since Matt Lineup threw for the 400 yards up against the. Um uh, I can't remember at least who the team it was. I, I think you know, that they had a. I think they had a 400-yard game actually against the Chicago Bears. And that was even the Bears' comeback game that they had at least, where you know people were like, "This is it. This guy is going to be it." And then he ended up kind of having issues where whether it was hits or whether it was production or checkdowns or some of that. Whatever was the case, at least that. And I don't think that we've seen that same thing from Rosen. Maybe if there's injuries or hits for that one, there's a lot that obviously can go wrong there's I think even more that can go right but what are some of at least the thoughts that you have for that right now because this is a moment a lot of Cardinals fans have been waiting for for a long time a lot of years what's your kind of perspective on some of this about what, what fans can be like looking forward to because mine at least would be have patience with Josh over time over the next couple of weeks and over the next year or so
3: yeah I think you you hit the nail on the head the last time they could feel optimism like this with a young franchise quarterback was in 2006 with Matt Leinart. I mean, that was 12 years ago. The Cardinals waited 12 years to take a quarterback in the first round. And I think that after Warner retired, you thought that they would do the same. They didn't. They, they tried to take the, the route that the Niners took and, and trade a second-round pick for a quarterback behind a franchise quarterback with Kevin Cobb. That didn't work out. John Skelton for a year or two, that was a horrendous decision, bringing it to Barians. You thought, okay, Bruce is going to develop a quarterback. That's a no-brainer. Turns out Bruce had no interest in developing a young quarterback. And so you went with uh, Carson Palmer for the better part of four or five years. That had some good moments, similar to Kurt Warner, but everybody knew it wasn't sustainable. And that you had a very small window to win a championship, right? Everything had to break right. And so with a franchise quarterback like Josh Rosen, who I believe – Will be the the greatest quarterback in the history of this franchise when it's all said and done. He's got a I know really good shot to be. He's absolutely. Years old. <laughs> He's, so you think about that, right? Everybody thinks that you know finding that quarterback in the sweet spot of that rookie contract is really the only way to win a championship. When in reality, it's just one way to do it. You look at what. The Falcons did a couple years ago when they should have a Super Bowl championship. Matt Ryan's on his second deal, right? Matthew Stafford looked great tonight oh against gosh, New England.
2: Today, the the shootout that you had between Drew Brees and Matt Ryan today was yeah. incredible.
3: Those are those are Super Bowl contending teams. Drew Brees is going to play until he's you know, what, 40, 41, 42? Josh Rosen's 21 years old. So if if Rosen can put together a 10 to 15 year stretch, he's easily going to go down as the best quarterback in the history of this franchise. Nobody's going to remember that he came in the final four minutes of the Bears game, and and threw an interception because pressure in his face. Like nobody rem- nobody remembers Aaron Rodgers' first game. I, I think that's Aaron Rodgers. How
2: Brett Favre's career began, so you know. That's right. I think
3: Aaron Rodgers went six and ten the year after Favre left for the Jets. You know, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Blake, but I think that you know Matt Matt Leiner had like. You know, a two or three game stretches, rookie season, where he looked really good, and the he Cardinals were really dominant. hopeful.
2: It was yeah. like, like you know, he, he until Cam Newton came in and broke the record. I think Matt Liner had like 400 passing yards in his debut, or something like ridiculous. Until Cam Newton broke it, yeah. ironically against the Cardinals in his debut. So it's like you had a lot of expectations, You're just like, oh man, this guy fell in the draft for that one tenth overall pick, and, won national championships. It just felt like it was like a perfect scenario, and then things just fell apart. And I don't know how much of that was due on Liner himself. I mean, Liner even admitted that you know he had issues as some of that as far as for him but a lot of it, I think fell on the coaching of, of Ken Wisenhunt in a lot of different ways as well yeah. I think that was a big contrib- contribution.
3: Yeah and, and Matt I think has come out publicly and stated he didn't work as hard as probably he should have and as the league developed and, and got more tape on him was kind of exposed for what he was but you know you look at the Alex Smiths of the world who had a very slow start to his career has picked it up over the, over the second half and is consistently winning for teams. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, his rookie season, ups and downs, sub-500, then the MVP of the league, arguably. Derek Carr, I think they won one game his rookie season, came back, had a nice uh, sophomore and junior season, and uh, was a playoff quarterback, Was should have been the MVP of the league, but got hurt. You know, you just you think about these young players, and outside of, you know, the Andrew Lux of the world when they're paired with the Bruce Arians, the flukes like RG3s that, you know, Take the league by storm with a fluky offense. Generally, rookie quarterbacks aren't going to produce playoff bursts, and so that's why I was so cautiously optimistic coming into the season with Rosen that he would play well, but at the same time, was not expecting anything more than maybe a seven and nine season from the Cardinals. It was all about laying that foundation. We've talked about it before Jared Goff, terrible rookie season, turns it around the next year with the right pieces, goes to the postseason. Mitch Trubisky last year was bad. This year, still not very good. But that Bear team looks like they're going to make the next step into the, into the postseason because he's at least competent now. Blake Bortles is going to AFC Championship games. I mean, just it takes to, it's a long term play. Cardinal fans, I know, are so desperate for a Super Bowl, for a winner, for a championship. But there's nothing wrong getting the first piece in place, right? Everybody thinks David Johnson's the first piece. Well, no, David Johnson's a running back, a very, very good one, probably the least valuable position in the NFL. The, the, the biggest piece of the puzzle is finding the franchise quarterback, getting that individual in place, get, letting him take his licks because that's what's happening, hoping that you have a competent GM and head coach, that you can make the necessary adjustments going into year two, three, four, and then you start looking at, okay, what are our goals? Okay, our goal next year is to make the playoffs. After that, it's to win a division, get a first-round bye. After that, it's to win the Super Bowl, right? That's that's what the Cardinals need to be focusing on. Just find a way to be competitive this year, win a couple games, see what you need to see out of Rosen, pray he stays healthy, and then hope that Steve Kime, which I still have some hope in him, That, okay, he's got the quarterback locked in. Now let's make tweaks to the roster to get this team back up to being a consistent, you know, playoff contender. And I think they can do that.
2: And I think it's going to be also. You have to evaluate the rest of the season because is this going to be a team that you know goes to four and twelve, but it's a competitive four and twelve? Absolutely. Or is this a team that, when you're looking at it, it's like, gosh, this is like a two to three win team that just looks lost out there, even when you're getting into the later parts of the season? And Josh might be playing well, but the defense is giving up points. They're going to play tougher <laughs> quarterbacks or well, taking a lot of hits. It's you're just you don't know what you're going to get the rest of the year. You well, know,
3: here's a here's a one point that I want to I want to make to you, Blake, and ask mm-hmm. you real quick. Oh yeah. Is is this a Team at the trade deadline, where you're going to start looking at some guys who may or may not have a future with this franchise, like a Dayon Buchanan, like a, maybe an Antoine Bethea, who's older, that could help a team right away. And you're clearly not going to extend Deion. Is this a team that you could start saying, okay, what can we get for resources come the off season? Can we integrate some of these younger guys that clearly have a future with us?
2: Gosh, yeah, I I don't know because that's an interesting call. Because on one hand, you could at least say that maybe that's what the Cardinals should take a look at or see if they could you know recoup a little bit as far as with some of the veterans that way you could move on i know you and i had talked about how i felt like if the cardinals were wanted to either save some cap space or with phil dawson that it was the year to move to a rookie kicker because then you at least can say hey either the kicker's got it or if he doesn't hey, you're not playing to win planning to have to win games in a must-win situation like you were last year with carson palmer and questions about fitzgerald but i just don't know if they have enough talent to move and it's a lot harder to move a player who's like a, a linebacker or um, you know and a spot that's going to be more of having to learn the defense midseason Then it is a wide receiver who can just have a route tree or a running back. Those are a lot of the players you usually end up seeing get traded. Like, even see what's today with uh, this year Josh Gordon gets traded to the New England Patriots. He's a wide receiver, and so it's gonna be a couple weeks that he can just still learn the offense. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to take a look at it at least or think through the team. I think what you'd want to have, at least with these young guys, is you want to at least see more young guys playing. Like you already have your whole rookie class in there. I think you should just say, hey, well, it's like we need to put Buchanan and Reddick out there. We got to see what we have. This is two first round picks. We have to know if we're going to sign Buchanan to a contract next year or if we're going to let him walk and hit the free agent market. I know you're going to have to figure out with Marcus Golden, maybe depending on where you're picking, maybe you end up letting him walk because you're going to be adding another pass rusher, at least with a high draft pick. But I, I think that's the biggest thing that we can look at is some of the positives of looking at, you do have kind of a young core that seems to be starting to develop through the first couple of weeks. Maybe that does mean you start seeing a guy like a Rudy Ford, if he's healthier, putting him out there instead of Antoine Bethea, see, see what happens with that. I, I, I'm I very curious at least to see what we'll look, uh, what the Cardinals are going to look like from the end of the season compared to the start, just because, you know, we've already seen John Wetzel take over. Maybe Corey Cunningham has another great option as far as for seeing if he could take some of the different snaps at the right tackle spot, see how that'll work out. Yep. All right, uh, coming up at least, we're going to take a look around the NFL three weeks into the season, and we'll also take a look at what the Cardinals have upcoming, kind of adjust if there's any differences with our predictions, see where the teams currently are standing here. There's a lot that's happened in the NFL. We're going to cover it here on the Bird Gang Blitz.
0: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: Pros and the no start with Lowe's. Because at Lowe's, pros
2: save big on the supplies they use most. Right now, save even more on select concrete mix.
1: Now 30% off when you buy in bulk. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. Stop by or visit lowesforpros.com for details. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. Minimum purchase required. Selection
2: varies by location. Credit offer subject to credit approval. Can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusion supply, U.S. only. We're back on the Bird Game Blitz. So, John, I know earlier we talked about the, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, uh, which was unfortunate and probably is going to be a really rough season, obviously, for the Niners. Um, with the rest of the division, I'll just sum that up before we kind of take a look at the rest of that one. But the Seahawks look – atrocious on offense they kind of had a little bit of a bounce back against a not so good Cowboys defense today Rams still obviously look like world beaters they end up blowing out the Chargers today overall Chargers keep it close due to Phillip Rivers but uh, what are you kind of seeing at least around the NFL for a lot of different stuff outside of like some of the big stories of Brian Fitzpatrick Mahomes the Patriots off to a rough start what are you kind of seeing in relation at least to the Cardinals where we can kind of rank where this Cardinals team fits amongst the rest of the nfl
3: well i mean prepare yourself cardinal fans this we're recording on a sunday night come tuesday morning cardinals are going to be last in majority of everyone's power rankings just don't take that uh, th- thanks
2: vikings for doing it's, that to the, to the cardinals
3: absolutely uh but it's a long season week three power rankings mean nothing power rankings in general mean nothing but you know you got to win games during respect around this league i i think this the, the, the recent trend that we're seeing with a lot of these teams the Cardinals play, I think it bodes well for them in the second half of the season. You just go through the Cardinals' schedule now. We both think the Seahawks are at best a 500 team, definitely a beatable team. Uh, And they got to play the the incredibly limited Cowboy offense, which gives the Cardinals a run for their money of the the most conservative and boring approach in football. Get the Niners now with C.J. Beathard. I think at minimum you win one of those games. Sure, you've got tough defensive opponents like the Vikings, like the Broncos, but the Chiefs, you you go to Arrowhead, that's going to be – a game I think that Josh Rosen could really shine with that subpar Chiefs defense the Raiders are an 0-3 team that get to come to University of Phoenix Stadium on November 18th that might be an easy
2: win to circle at least for that one as far as if you're looking for a win on the schedule like the Niners and the gosh the Raiders just look awful and they're they I mean if they'd kept Khalil Mack you might be talking about a little bit differently
3: yep you get to play at Atlanta late in the season which is a tough place to play but man that defense looks super below average with the loss of Keanu O'Neal and uh Deone Jones. Um and then again you got to play the Rams again you get them at home at least you get the Lions at home you got to go to Lambeau at the beginning of December I mean like there's nobody on this schedule that to me jumps out as a, a, a definitive loss now with Rosen playing I know that sounds crazy uh other than maybe the Rams at home a little, home little,
2: the little, hands, little bit know? crazy but it's not yeah. like you're looking at like getting blown out from a lot of the teams right. with Bradford so that's going to be where we'll just have to see how it'll go out for next week from some of the different ones I think you're right is it might be if you get a strong defensive performance like you did today you put up enough points in offense and you're not turning the all over. You, you might have a chance at least to win some of the different games with defense. Yep. I think of like how the Cardinals always seem to beat the Lions and Matthew Stafford. They'd ever put up a ton of offense, but they'd always be able to force a couple of turnovers.
3: Yeah, I just, I just think so highly arose and I think he's going to keep games competitive for this team. I think they're going to steal a couple that they're not favored and supposed to win. They would have stolen today. They were a thirteen-point dog, had a lead the entire game, and, and blew it because of the ineptitude of the, the quarterback who. We, we shout not name moving forward because, I, you know, part of me thinks he, he could potentially be cut from this team. And we can touch on that at a, at a later time just to save money. But be anxious to see if Mike Lennon gets a, gets a couple uh, actives uh, starts behind Josh Rosen by starts. I mean.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm also wondering if, is Glennon like, we'll have to see what I'm, my guess is at least is that the, the Niners are going to be in in the mood for a new quarterback and you're probably not going to want to trade to an in-division rival. But I'd be very curious if, you know, let's say that Tyrod Taylor gets traded to the Niners. Maybe that's going to be a guy that you'll end up seeing or if there's a guy yep. who's familiarity with Kyle Shanahan in the past. But it'd be interesting with seeing with how the injury shakes out and stuff because is is this going to be like, someone even made a joke today about, like, I think it was the Pro Football Talk comment this is a comedy account. On Twitter, even joked and said, like, oh, this is great. The Cardinals are playing Josh Rosen so they can trade Sam Bradford for the Niners for two first round picks. And you're just like, oh my gosh, that's right. You keep forgetting how many teams keep kept trading first round picks for Sam Bradford. And I think another thing a lot of Cardinals fans are talking about is a waste of money. And it's like, you know, sure, maybe with the play so far, Kevin Cobb might have been worth his contract more than Bradford was his so far. But when you look at the going rate for a quarterback and looking at that one, sure, you just got to admit that it's a mess up. But it's just money. The salary cap and the way that works is just totally different. It's Sure, it's on the team at least if they're on the hook, but – there's not really as much of a concern that you need to have about that as far as the team now. If you were like locked into a long-term contract with that, similar to how the Ravens were with Joe Flacco, or if you had a huge, uh, you know, a huge issue with a quarterback, you're like, oh gosh, like we kind of have no idea of what to do. Like I think of the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning ended up leaving them kind of high and dry. You bring in Paxton Lynch, you have two or three down years. I, I can think of that being more of a difficult situation than you know regretting that this the Cardinals gave a big one-year deal to a player. You know, big, big whoop.
3: Absolutely, yeah, the Cardinals, to me moving forward are going to be competitive in every game because of Rosen, and I think this defense for the most part is going to play solid football. I mean you look at around the league right now, not too many teams are playing great defensively. I mean, the Minnesota just got 27 put on them by Josh Allen. And so it's a week to week, I think season as cliche as that sounds, and I think with just with the the way that this, this league is tailored now, you look at those those roughing calls against the Cardinals today. I mean, they, the league wants offenses to produce. They want them to score points. They want quarterbacks to stay healthy. I mean, that alone just leads me to believe that, that Rosen's going to produce for the Cardinals just because of the fact that I didn't think Josh Allen was anywhere near ready to start. He's producing against the top-tier defense. I mean, we're going to see Rosen throw his fair share of in interceptions, but again, he's going to be able to push the ball downfield like Bradford can only dream of doing. And so I, I think you you brought up some good points, Blake, about the potential landscape of, of not only this division but the NFC that could change uh, over the course of the next probably eight to ten weeks when we talk about the the kind of injuries that are going to be sustained that have already been sustained. Uh, and so it, it things things can flip on a dime. You, you remember the end of last year, everybody was so hot on the 49ers because of the fact they got Garoppolo midseason, With that in which, hand. Um, yep. yep it's it just unprecedented. This is a week-to-week season. Nobody will remember the this team starting as bad as they do is if Josh Rosen plays well in the season. It, though, it may be a footnote to say, well, why didn't you go with Rosen earlier? But it won't mean anything going into the off season as long as he plays well, which I think he will. So, I mean, at the end of the day – He's playing now, and and that's all that matters for, for hope of 2019.
2: So let's go ahead and then break down some of it, because now that we actually have, have a sample size, like we went and broke down some of the schedule before, what we'll kind of close out some of our night with this, I think, is let's go and look at some of our upcoming games in the schedule and kind of reassess and revalue where we kind of see this team is, because next week you've got Josh Rosen's first start. It's going to be against Seattle. I have a feeling that there's going to be not as many Seahawks fans as some fans are expecting. Sure, it's an 0-3 start, but as long as you just say, yeah, Rosen's going to start, if you go back to Bradford, then you're kind of like saying, Well, we want Seahawks fans in the building. Uh, there's going to be a lot of loud, proud Seattle Seahawks fans there, but I think there's going to be a lot of Cardinals fans who are going to be there who want to be able to have a, a solid home start for that one. Um, what are your thoughts, at least, on just the Seattle Seahawks and their team that were right here? And then we can get into some of just the other opponents and what we're seeing from them so far this year.
3: Boy, the Seahawks are a weird one because you, you talk about a window closing faster than I've maybe ever seen the the Seahawks were the dynasty in the making they blundered that second Super Bowl appearance and then have just kind of fallen off the map right so last year was really the first time I believe that they didn't make the postseason in the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson era and this season looks to be much of the same and they let Drew Stanton go into their stadium in week 17 last year and they, they essentially just quit and the Cardinals were able to win that game for Bruce Arians but Right now, I mean, the Broncos held them to, to 24 points, put up 27. The Bears beat them fairly handily on Monday Night Football. Had Mitch been even competent in that game, that would have been a blowout. Yes, they beat Dallas today, 24-13, but I think Dak is, is probably the, the quarterback a lot of people thought he was coming out. Uh, I think Rosen is a far superior talent. And then next week, you, it's a late start, 3 5 again, it's afternoon game for those of us here in the Midwest. And the Cardinals have an opportunity now to put support behind Josh Rosen uh, against the Seahawks team that, you know, really is sporting a lot of just misfits offensively, defensively. A lot of these young players that they drafted in hopes that would um, kind of repair the, the free agency losses that they've had just have not stepped up. Uh, they're still competent defensively, so I don't want to undersell you know, Pete Carroll as a defensive mind. But, man, when when you're losing the Martellus Bennett's of the world and you're trying to, you know – Complete the the transition with the Jaron Reed's and you know their defensive secondary outside of Earl Thomas, which by the way has he's looked fantastic, um, just is unrecognizable. Thomas, by uh, uh, coincidentally, is coming out and basically saying that the Cowboy coaches after the game today said that you know they're going to trade for me this week. They're ready yeah, to trade for me.
2: That's it's, I don't get that.
3: Yeah, and basically <laughs> came out and ripped the organization, saying I don't practice during the week because I. I uh, don't feel like this, basically that this team's invested in me. So why should I invest in putting my body in harm's way during practice? I mean, dude's all about himself right now as a future hall of famer, uh, but believes he he's worth more. Maybe he is. He's kind of playing a devalued position right now. at safety, but you know, maybe the Cardinals catch a break and and he doesn't play this week. They deactivate him, they trade him, whatever. Uh, Then you're really talking about an advantage but, you know, at the Especially end of the, the day, deep
2: passing game, like, get JJ Nelson out there then, man. I mean, he torched yep. the Seahawks and Richard Sherman last year.
3: <laughs> yep. At the end of the day, they still have Russell Wilson, and he's still a complete nightmare for the Cardinals. But, it, you know, outside of that, outside of maybe a little bit of Tyler Lockett uh, and our good friend Jeron Brown, who caught a touchdown, I believe, today for Seattle, uh, this team is incredibly inept on the offensive line. Their defense just isn't one, what they once were. So, And clearly a different road team uh, than they are a home team. So the Cardinals, I think, will have a chance in this game. Seattle ought to come in about a three, you know, five-point favorite. But, again, a uh, little bit of an improvement over the Bears, who were a 13-point favorite. So I, I like the Cardinals' chances next week.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I still think that, from me, the fact that the game's at home will at least be advantageous for Josh Rosen for first start. This is part of why I felt like you had to get him in here or then versus going on to the road with the Niners and let's talk about that with the Niners we're seeing from the Niners right now um for the Seahawks if you had to pick a win or a loss for that right now if you had to go ahead and just like you know gun to your forehead for that and pick a win or a loss against the Seahawks which would you pick
3: for next week I'd probably still pick a loss just because of Russell Wilson uh and then Josh Rosen getting a lot thrown at him by a, a savvy defensive coach like Pete Carroll uh but I think that the Cardinals absolutely are going to win the following week at San Francisco, San Francisco to me has a chance to, I don't want to say lose out because it, again, it's incredibly early, mm-hmm. but they could definitely be on three right now. Uh, they yeah. lost week one to Minnesota did not play particularly well. I watched the whole game against Detroit last mm-hmm. week, got, got uh, gifted some calls from the officials, dropped uh, pull through a pick six late in that game. And they got uh, incredibly le- lucky with kind of a phantom holding call on the other side of the field. I mean, Easily could be on three, and Garoppolo's played well at times. Uh, but these this is a team that was behind, I think, like 34 to 7 today, personnel wise. I think they're going to lose Richard Sherman at least for a couple of, of games, if not longer. They, they just don't have the, the playmakers, uh, on either side of the ball right now, um, to warrant anything other than I think like maybe like a two and 12 finish. Mm. They to me, they just this was a team that was overhyped to begin with. I know how they finished the season, kind of catching a lot of teams off guard. But you know, losing their you know marquee back that they paid a lot of money to McKinnon in the off season, the fact that you know you've got next to nothing out of P, uh, and they probably P- lost Matt
2: they their leading uh, rusher that they had behind him I think that he might be out for that too so it's just wow. going to be like kind of like they've just been really struggling and hitting with a lot of the injuries for that one today so yeah I would agree with you at least with the um the Niners for me that seems like it's your best chance to get a win if we're coming after the Niners week for that and we're still talking about a winless team that's when I'm going to start getting a bit worried about Steve Wilkes because that would mean that you're getting out coached by a team that doesn't really have that much Correct. For that, one. Correct. that would be when I would start to say all right like let's take a look at this now but because you improved your quarterback spot. I don't know what would be going on for that one with McCoy. Week six, at the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Now, I don't know if they're going to be a Buffalo, and some even made fun of it. There was an uh, incorrect, uh, I believe it was like a, a graphic that the Bills social media sent out, which showed their plan landing and showing up in Wisconsin. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe the Vikings, for whatever reason, thought that the Bills weren't in Wisconsin, and they didn't show up to their own game either. The Vikings looked like they were going to be like a Super Bowl contender from their first two weeks with just basically just destroying the Niners in a lot of different ways for that, and their next week going toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers and showing off on that defense. They just got kind of lit up today for sleep. I don't know if it's an aberration. Do you think this is a game that the Cardinals have a chance at least of winning, kind of pulling in an upset, or is this going to be like, you know, like a one-time thing that you're going to see from the team, and this is going to be kind of another loss in the call?
0: You know, I don't
3: want to, you know, speak ill will of the team, you know, without having seen Rosen command this huddle. So, I mean, it's, it's not impossible. Uh, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's played well. And the Kirk's Cardinals
2: have always played well against Kirk Cousins, too. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, that team is not unbeatable, clearly. They could have lost to Green Bay. They got destroyed against Buffalo today. Uh, you know, they have Super Bowl or bus aspirations, and that, that's kind of like what the Cardinals had been the last couple of years with, with Palmer in the fold, and I know Cousins is significantly younger. But, like, they're feeling the pressure now, like, we have to win the Super Bowl. We've got Kirk under contract making big money for three years. Like I, I think I heard their uh, their local media guy do a radio hit basically saying like they got like a two- or three-year window before they got to start paying everybody else, and then that's it. And it could, it could go Seattle real fast for this team. I mean, you make an argument they kind of, you know – they had
2: Kirk Cousins so much money, so that's part of the Absol- reason why. That's part of why Seattle went downhill is they just did not draft good talent. Like they had, I wasted, like I think, four or five first-round picks, and then they traded guys away like for Jimmy Graham who didn't work out. They traded away other pay- – so it was just kind of part of the reason why Seattle is struggling is because they paid Russell Wilson, and then they had all their other defensive players paid, and they did not find talent in around the team at least for that one. Everything just went downhill over time.
3: Yeah, all I know is this team right now has scored 20 points in three games. That's by far the lowest in the NFL. The next closest is Dallas with double that with 41. Uh, the likes of Pittsburgh and <clears throat> uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have more than them, and they haven't even played their third game. I mean, the Cardinals can only get better from here, and I think that's what you got to try to hang your hat on. They're only going to get better offensively with with, with the quarterback that they're, that they're putting in the game. I, I honestly believe that defensively, again, it's going to be hit or miss for the rest of the season. But like you mentioned, Blake, as long as you start to see some of these young building blocks emerge, you know, you could look at a team that's four and 12 versus a team that's eight and eight. And the four and 12 team has the young franchise up and coming quarterback and some young pieces offensively versus the eight and eight team, kind of like the Cardinals were last year that had an aging quarterback were playing with a lot of spare parts with a, with a head coach like Bruce Aarons that was on the way out. I mean, could that be Seattle this year? Could we see Pete Carroll this be his last year in Seattle? I mean, the, those are the kind of scenarios that you got to start playing out because it, it's bigger than the win-loss record this year. I know the Cardinals and the fan base want to win as many games as they can, but you've built up, I, I would think, a little bit of credibility to say, okay, we're going to have a step back here, we're going to reassess, we're going to get the quarterback in place, and we're going to submit some pieces on you know this roster – and then, then we're going to hit it hard next off season. I think you've kind of earned that with what Bruce Arians built. That's what Bruce Arians kind of gave this franchise is credibility, and he gave them a little bit of rope, and he gave Steve Kym some rope as saying, "Okay, you can have a down year. Michael Bidwell is going to allow that." You know, I had consecutive winning seasons and only had one losing season by one game in twenty sixteen, and that kind of thing. But moving forward, we need to see some some progress and I think that that's what was lacking with Bradford and so now that you have Rosen in place you can really assess not only this year but but moving forward as to what you need to achieve you know ultimately a championship as crazy as that sounds no one three
2: yeah, it uh, yeah, definitely does. But that's long-term, obviously, is what you're looking for for that. Uh, let's go over some of these games pretty quick. So, the next two games you have, you've got the Bron- – you've got the – talked about the Vikings on the road. You've got the Broncos on Thursday night football, at least for that. And that's a team that – they've got a tough defense. They've got some questions that are over there. Case Keenum's played well. They kind of started off to 2-1. Ravens kind of took it to them today. Ravens have looked resurgent offensively. And then you got a 10-day break, and then you have your Week 8 game against the Niners. And, uh, again, so then you have to play the Niners twice. I My – suspicion is they'll have a new starting quarterback by week eight. So that'll be interesting to be able to see what will happen by then. Then you enter your bye week. This would be kind of the time of whether it's the Broncos or whether it's a, if you are going to end up making a move on from Mike McCoy, I would probably have it be somewhere during this stretch. So that way you can either over the 10 day break after the Broncos game, especially if you end up, you know, if you lose the Broncos game and your offense is still looking putrid, You'll know by that point, or if you decide you want to just make the move and see what Byron Leftwich has anyway, I think this would be kind of the area you could look for. John, what are your just kind of quick thoughts, at least on the Broncos and the Niners games?
3: Yeah, definitely winnable games. Uh, again, the Broncos to me are limited with Case Keenum, and you get and you get um, them at home. You get the Niners at home, and I think that's a perfect transition for uh, Byron Leftwich if if this continues uh, the, this downtrend offensively. But again. I think it's going to be tough to fire him that soon just because of the fact that you have nowhere to go but up offensively. You're like, you were so inept offensively with this group that was in there now. Like, you're going to see improvements, and you can almost sell that to the front office. Uh, I think he's not going to make it, you know, past this season, barring something unforeseen. I think this is going to be a one-and-done for Mike McCoy, which is not fun because you don't want to have Rosen, you know, be the new you know, Alex Smith who – was done a disservice by the Niners early on. Never had the same coordinator for you know consecutive seasons for like the first like four seasons of his career. Something crazy like that. Um, but at the same time, like you you want him to have continuity, and so going left, which I think midseason makes a lot of sense because it gives you a chance to evaluate him before the end of the season and say, okay, is this somebody that we think can be our coordinator long-term? He was getting uh, coordinator interviews in the off-season. Arians thinks the world of him. It's kind of like what the Lions did with Jim Bob Cooter, had him under contract as their quarterback coach, gave him the keys to the mm-hmm. offense, and it took, took off. Yeah. And they were able to extend him. And, you know, they've been up and down this year, but for the most part, very productive offensively. And so maybe you have that with Byron which We won't know until they go to him. But, you know, I love the point you make is – you know, with Leftwich, he's got some credibility because he came from that Arians kind of mindset offensively. Whereas Mike McCoy comes from this, you know, boring. Panthers. He's concern. the Panthers.
2: He came from the Panthers in a lot of ways, but they're heavy running the football in a lot of different the, ways, and that, that doesn't. The
3: Jake DeLome offense, which is not sustainable in today's NFL, it's not 2004 where that can you know lead you to a Super Bowl, especially when you don't have the the hogs, the personnel up front. And you got to be creative. Yeah.
2: that's kind of the interesting question. This will be something we'll have to consider throughout the season. But, you know, I think I even talked about it to you was when they hired Wilkes, it was interesting because they hired a defensive head coach. And so as a result, part of why we wanted an offensive guy was because then you'd have some of that consistency with the offense, be able to have some creativity. So they decided to go with the defensive guy. And so that's going to be, you know, a question of is this going to be kind of an area of – are you going to have multiple coordinators or other issues throughout the years if you have success and then that success leaves, or are you going to have – so that's going to be kind of one of the core issues I think you might have to get to at least is – and we found some good play callers. The Bucs have found a good play caller this year. The Jets, at least, they let go of their last guy in John Morton. They seem to have found at least a, a play caller who fits to Darnold's strengths. That's going to be a question I'm going to have going forward at least is, is – did the Cardinals, you know, make the right choice, or is this kind of a team where you see Hunt and Arians had success here? Is this kind of a spot where in the indoor stadium – where you've got controlled weather conditions playing on a fast, you know, grass field, not turf, but it's a grass field. Is it just something where the Cardinals, as an organization, are just better when they have an offensive head coach? And I'm, I'm not sure. Um, let's go and just move on to the next couple of games there because you've got the bye week. Then you've got the trifecta of the AFC, uh, the AFC West, I should say. You get the Chiefs. You get uh, bye week after a 10-day break where you get to prep for the on-road a game in Arrowhead. You get the Raiders at home, and then I believe you have the uh, San Diego Chargers uh, are going to be the next team that. you'll play and the Chargers have looked beatable they still have a solid pass rush but that'll be on the road at least in Los Angeles so John let's go over those three games real quick what are your feelings at least on the AFC West
3: I think that all three defensively are below average I think that the Chiefs and the Raiders specifically are two of the worst defenses in football they just don't have the personnel the Chargers don't really have an excuse because they invested a lot defensively but with Joey Bosa's future in doubt for this season with that foot injury You don't know what they're going to have in terms of a pass rush. Um, And so, you know, I I like the Cardinals to win at least one of those three games. We talked about the Raider game, but the Chargers have no home field advantage, and that's a short trip for the Cardinals, and they've seen – the Chargers a lot in preseason so that's that's a game I could absolutely see the Cardinals uh, sniffing out with yeah, Josh It's gonna
2: be really interesting to see what'll happen as far as where the offense is at that point because I think we'll probably we could come back two weeks from now and have a much different take on where that will be versus absolutely Philip Rivers and the defense and all of that just because that's Chargers every single year are a team that seems to it reminds me a lot of like with the the Palmer years of like the 2016 and 17 of just you have games that they just seem to kind of lose and just don't have that mentality there I'm not I'm I'm just not sure at least for where that'll go. So we'll see at least, but I do think at least out of one of those three seems to make a lot of sense, at least, especially when you're talking to look at the Raiders game. I don't know if the Niners are going to be a winner or a loss for that one. I think if Garoppolo's out, maybe that you're going to start to take a look at it for that one. So I think that might give you at least overall at that point, you're probably looking at three, maybe four wins. I think at that point, finishing up with the chargers, then you're heading into Lambeau field on the road. Josh Rosen versus the mentor will be the storyline of kind of the game. At least now. you. I,
3: I have tickets to that game, by the way, I will oh, be, that's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, Yes. So my first trip to Lambeau, for those of you who don't know, I live in uh, central Illinois, about uh, two hours away from Chicago. So I am going to be going to the game in Lambeau on the 2nd of December uh, to see Josh Rosen
2: officially play now, which is exciting. <laughs> that'll be great. And then it'll also be interesting to see just how cold it is in December because at Lambeau, sometimes it's tundra in December, sometimes it's still fine conditions at least, so that'll be really interesting. That's mm-hmm. going to be just kind of a game of where I think you'll see where these two franchises are, especially with Rodgers, the injury and all of that. Like, That's just going to be fascinating. Then you have a game at least where you got to get the Lions. The Lions have been fascinating this year because they started off 0-2 like the Cardinals, and then they go out today, and they just kind of just a little bit ago, we are recording on Sunday night, they basically go and take it to the New England Patriots with a strong run game, solidly controlling the ball and then defensively. So the question then you have is, is this just because Matt Patricia knows the Patriots and went up against Tom Brady in practice, they just prepped specifically for this game? Maybe, but you're getting a home game against Matthew Stafford. It's a beatable one for them. This is a game I think that you may have a chance to. We'll just have to see where the teams are at least for this part of the year for that one. But I think that's going to be the biggest question that you're going to have at least is because if you can beat the Lions at least for that, that might be the kind of a big turning point in a positive way for the Cardinals because after that, it just not get easy you basically finish the game but the finish the season by going on the road to Atlanta they're going to be a probably a playoff team at that point you go at home to the Rams who are also going to be probably a playoff team and then you go up to Seattle for your final game of the season that's going to be always a tough place to play is when you're in Seattle so John let's just sum up the kind of wrap up for tonight just sum up kind of the ended stretch of the season for how you kind of see some of that playing out
3: Yeah, that's a brutal, you know, three-game stretch. Detroit, 50-50. They took it to the Cardinals last year in the opener, Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I think they beat the Cardinals in like seven years or something ridiculous.
2: It was I was, I was like since uh, – it was the first time since they – I don't think that it had been since Sun Devil Stadium. And it was like uh, even earlier and then Sun Devil Stadium for that one. Like it was one of the crazy like times for how long it had been yeah. before they beat beaten the Cardinals.
3: The Cardinals and Lions are kind of Kendrick Spirits because I feel like they – every year they kind of finish around the same spot in the standings and they – so they play each other like every season. It's like kind of a, like a routine now. Uh, the Cardinals are playing them this year, obviously, because they play the NFC North. But that's a winnable game. Uh, you know, we we saw the Lions beat the Patriots tonight, but the Patriots clearly are not right. And the Lions, to me, you know, offensively have a lot of firepower, but defensively not a great pass rush. Uh, we'll see what Matt Patricia can get out of that group. But I think they're a, a draft or two away. Uh, again, the Falcons, to me, are you know, are an interesting team because offensively they are a juggernaut, but defensively they are well below average because yeah. they have just suffered too many personnel losses. We know how that goes. And so, you know, assuming they don't get those players back, I mean, from from torn ACLs, I mean, that hyperextended knees, those kind of things are, are tough to bounce back from. When you lose two anchors on your defense, uh, that that is brutal. And the defensive line really hasn't shown up yet for Atlanta. They got destroyed, uh, you know, offensively. The, the Saints did whatever they wanted today. So that to me is a game that I, I think could have shootout again written all over it in a dome, uh rows and comfortable and finds a rhythm. The Rams, it is what it is. The the twenty you, you, you don't know. At, the, at that point in the season the Rams may have home field advantage locked up. And and I don't I don't know yeah, uh true. that what, was what
2: the ripple effect up. last year. I know that happened before. Yeah. So.
3: Absolutely. What could be on the line for them? Uh, that The end of the season will uh, be the first time that, that uh, Rosen gets to play them, so I'll be interested to see how he fares. But they suffered a couple of injuries uh, on the back end today. Uh, so, again, they were incredibly healthy last year, and that led to them winning the division. So not so much already this season. And then Seattle. I mean, the Cardinals have won, I think, three out of five or four out of five games in Seattle yeah. with Bruce Arians. Uh, I that that's that's tough to, to follow for Steve Wilkes. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Seahawks and the Cardinals are probably going to be fighting for draft position. So uh, wins are important, but at, at the end of the day, the Cardinals and the Seahawks are kind of in a similar position where I think they both have franchise quarterbacks, one of which is on a rookie deal. And Seattle is, is very much in flux because their coach is, you know, the Cardinals coach is not safe by any means in terms of, you know, him being an upper echon, you know, motivator or a head coach but I think Pete Carroll's on borrowed time and that could that could be an interesting scenario if it comes out and and basically says that that could be that could be Pete Carroll's last game with the Seahawks as crazy as that sounds if they have a subpar year that he could he could ditch a sinking ship just like he did with 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 uh, USC
2: it's going to be so weird at least for that one. Yeah, I think I, I agree. We'll just have to see how it is because part of what I feel at least is there's a lot of optimism and positivity because I do really believe in Rosen, but I do also respect and recognize the fact that he's still obviously a rookie. I think the biggest thing that I want to look to at least as far as for uh, is the um, – I'm going to take a look here just to Google up for that one. The biggest thing I look at is if you want to take a look at as far as – and this is obviously you don't want to make any type of comparison with that one right away, but – as far as for the player, because I think that there's different play obviously. But if you look at for the first rookie year for a guy when they have to start right away, usually unless you're in a spot of like a Carson Wentz or uh, have, like, kind of a success of an Andrew Luck for that. At best, you're going to probably finish about 9-7 and 7 or an 8-8. Cardinals are already three games down from all of it for that one. You look at the 1998 Colts, Peyton Manning's first season. He led the league in interceptions. They finished at 3-13. and 13. Ironically, their head coach was Jim Mora. Who was we you know, Jim Mora Jr. was, you know, Josh Rosen's coach. A lot of these families just keep it all up and going on. I think if you're looking at totaling up from just what we talked about, the losses and the wins for that one, you're probably looking at, like, about – uh, anywhere from a three to five win season with maybe some optimism at least. Cause I, I think honestly, at least for right now, from just with me, I think when we were looking at about a six win season, I probably went out the door at least once they dropped the first game down from, uh, when you drop the first game to the 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 Redskins in a winnable game at least for that that should have been winnable you got blown out I think with today's game was another winnable game so I think when you go down to but you probably add back a game now when you're talking about where you would have split with the Niners maybe because Garoppolo is out you may be able to get two of those games there you're still going to be looking at anywhere from about a three to five win season a four win season I I, I would assume that Steve Wilkes would survive that I would assume that Steve Kime with everything that's been built up would survive that but I just don't know right. at least for those ones and if Rosen starts going winning on a tear obviously will change that but you saw even today he threw a couple of like should be interceptions I like threw a couple of picks it is going to be obviously a learning process because that's just how it is with rookies and you're not having a team with like an elite defense like Philadelphia right now obviously you've got elite playmakers but you don't have an elite defense and I think it's going to be a it's going to be a long season for Cardinals fans now as far as number one pick overall that I'm not really quite sure about. Like, I mean, at some point, I think it'd be nice if you finish up number one or number two because you take a look at a guy like Nick Bosa or an Ed Oliver. Those are two guys you plug right into Arizona's defense. If you put a guy like Bosa across from Chandler Jones, and they're like, "Wow, you like you'd be able to basically take Marcus Golden and a potentially like," and that, this is no knock on Marcus, obviously, but we're talking about a number one overall pick as a pass rusher, maybe the most impactful college football player this year, and a guy like Nick Bosa across from him, that's a huge building block at least for the future of them being able to yeah. spend that money in other spots for that so it's not like to say you want to have the team to tank but we'll take it where it comes from we'll see if there's an even an ed oliver is going to be a great player the big thing that we can also then start talking about is let's say that the, those are the top two guys arizona has the third pick you look at a team that might be trading up for a quarterback as far as that one with maybe some of the moves i think that will be other types of options you want to look at if they're not able to maybe add a can't miss you know elite player that they have on the offensive or defensive side that would be one thing you can start taking a look at so well we've got a long way to go obviously to the I will say at least through so far with these different games through 0 three the Cardinals and the Raiders are the only two teams that have really looked this bad overall well have to see what the Josh Rosen impact has this is going to be kind of almost like a, a new team I think starting next week against the Seahawks we'll see how it will go obviously but this is going to be a really interesting spot as far as for if you're going to be kind of looking at playing kind of that draft slots for the different teams to see this, right now, I think that you and I are probably in agreement. This is probably still a team with a top five pick, regardless unless Rose going yeah. to light the world on fire. Just being realistic about where they're at right now. And a lot of it is recognizing this isn't a retool as much as a rebuild. And I hope that well, Steve Welch is able to recognize that now moving forward. Yeah,
3: and I think, Blake, w- what's tough for a lot of Cardinal fans is, like, say you win two games. It's not realistic then to come in the next season. I don't care how good, you know, yeah. your offseason was. And say, we're, we're going to be a playoff team now. I mean, it's like that, that's, that's really hard. And so it's, it's easier to sell it and produce when you win five games and then you can say, okay, we've, we lost a handful of games by one possession. We lost, you know, a couple of games because Bradford started. Can we have a five game turnaround? And you know, maybe the answer is yes. And you're able to go 10 and six and you're a playoff team, but man, winning like two games, that's almost impossible. Because then you go into next season, you're like, okay, eight and eight's an improvement on that. Clearly that's a six game turnaround. Mm-hmm. That's asking a lot of, of Steve Wilkes. And so the Cardinals are going to be in a position with, you know, Josh Rosen and all this cap space to, to go out and make a couple big splashes and they want to compete right away. And
2: they got draft and picks too. They didn't give up draft picks. Like all the absolutely. other teams did. They yeah, sold the draft God, picks. Could right you
3: imagine if year. they would have given up their first rounder this year? or next uh, year. Oh my gosh. In, oh my gosh. Rosen
2: deal. Even like giving how, up a how brutal
3: That was, yeah, absolutely. Now so you've got those. A, bring- yeah you've got those premium picks in place now to retool what is a depleted roster. So I want Cardinal fans to just keep that mind that, you know, if this team only wins two games this year, like there's a reason they have a lot of work to do.
2: Yeah. If they only win two games this year, I think we'll have a lot of questions about what the staff, the coaching, because as you know, I've I've said, this is a more talented team than they've been putting on. We'll see if that will change. The teams that kind of, there's always a team that goes worst to first each year. I do think at the Cardinals, we'll have to see what will happen with the three-way kind of race to the bottom between those teams. But there's a lot to kind of still be going forward. We'll see how the season goes. It's almost kind of like, feels like you're kind of at week one back and Starting over again is kind of the honest feeling that you have for this part for that one. So, uh, yep. anyway, that'll about wrap it up for at least with tonight. We'll be getting into a lot more as far as with the Rosen, uh, kind of, I guess you can say almost like the Rosen season now that it's actually started for the Cardinals. That's right. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We got the Seattle game next week. We'll be getting more of uh, having some more of the content and podcasts for that. will be coming out for you guys. Uh, John, where can they find you at least on Twitter if they want to be able to kind of talk cards to you or at least just maybe come up with a, a new way to insult Mike McCoy? <laughs> oh, no,
3: yeah. And I promise I won't be as negative now because Bradford's done. Uh, I am at Johnny's reason
2: to be negative,
3: yeah. That's right. I'm at Johnny's Football on Twitter. Uh, come shoot us some questions. We love incorporating the questions into the chat. I know it's t- or in, into the podcast. I know it's tougher when we record Sunday night, but we really love getting this content out for you guys early in the week. Like Blake said, to be one of the first uh, chances to get a kind of a rapid reaction, which doesn't exist all that often within the Cardinal landscape, uh, a place to kind of vent out your frustrations. We'll, we'll try to make this a regular thing.
2: Yeah, especially since, you know, you turn it on Monday morning. If you, up, if you end up starting to hear any type of, you know, there's always going to be questions of people if they're, you know, I don't know if it's not defending Mike McCoy or the third and two play call. It'll be really interesting to hear, but that's where we try to bring that fan perspective for you. Uh, I'm going to bring you some more of that this week, at least. I'm going to have an article. I'll be obviously at least kind of going with where the Cardinals are, but just this transition to Rosen on Revenge of the Birds, and you'll be able to also make sure you follow us. So that's going to be it for us today. I'll make sure that you go ahead and like and subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher Radio now i've still been working for some of the time to download it's taken a lot more time to be able to download and kind of get the huge space for all of those podcasts just to get them uploaded to SoundCloud. but i promise i'll be able to get that we have all of our past shows available for you there on blog talk radio as well you can also follow us on twitter at bird gang blitz just for some of the tweets all of our shows are going to be up there as well for it for that one um, thank you guys for tuning in for that for another week um we'll always make sure that we're here go rosen and let's go cardinals
0: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
2: It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.